What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Binging Alive. I'm Aaron Spencer. Spencer Aaron. I don't know. Wherever. Whatever. We're here. You're here. Uh, and we are excited to have you because the market is interesting. Let's just call it interesting. To say the least. David, yeah, we've had a- David Green just said you have to be a magician, uh, which does not bode well for you, your chances, nor my chances, I feel like. But uh, that's where we're at right now. But No, I mean, to put it into perspective, yesterday was the first day in nearly, I think, 14 years since 2008 that the... Um, SPY was down at one point more than 4% and then closed in the green. So yesterday when we started the show, I mean, everything was down like 3%. Today we're down 2.5% again. So Can I give you a stat along the lines of the one you just said? Yeah, a fancy of stat. This is from Bespoke Investment Group. Great follow on Twitter. Shout out to Bespoke. They only found five days in the history of the U.S. stock market, in the history of the NASDAQ composite, where the NASDAQ composite index was down at least four percent at one point during the day and closed green five instances in the history of the nasdaq composite index yesterday it happened it happened once in 1997 it happened once in october of 2000 it happened once in july of 02 and it happened in october and november of 2008 those were the only times that's how rare yesterday was yeah but also so i'm looking at it right now in 2008 uh there were two instances like you mentioned mm-hmm. um, but i'm looking at one right now the intraday loss was down 4.76 percent okay can you guess the close the the closing gain yeah up half a percent up six and a half percent. So that day in oh, in oh eight had a what was that October, uh, November November thirteenth had a, a more than ten percent move. I mean that I mean, put that into perspective. So it was down four. Let's call it four and a half percent at one point. Wow, closes up six and a half percent. Yeah, I bet a lot of people that sold panic sold while the market was down four and a half percent, and then saw their stocks that they sold and closing the day up six percent. Yeah, that probably that's painful. All right, we got a big show today, a lot to get to. Let's start us off. We got David Green coming on right now. We're we're gonna do some live trading with David Green. After that, I'm very excited for our our first interview of the day. We're gonna be talking to um, Namit Malhotra. He is the CEO of a company called DNEG. It is a visual effects company. They are going public. They announced today via SPAC. We're going to talk about the business of visual effects in movies, in the metaverse. That'll be at noon. Uh, we're talking to uh, Robert Roy at 1245, Chris Hertz at 1 o'clock, and uh, Tim Quast, maybe, if he get back, gets back to me at 145. So, big show today. A lot to get to. Let's roll. This is Ben Zingalai. Spencer Israel and producer AB. What's up, everybody? How are we doing? Someone told me buy high, sell higher. So. Let's get Matt Hammond on the show to talk to my POs. Jake Wujasic from Trend Spider. We have a. 
I just found out that Randy from our news desk decided to go get Shake Shack oh, and on, didn't don't put, ask. Don't put him on blast. He didn't ask anyone else if he wanted Shake, Shake Shack. Shake Shack is great, though. Shake Shack is Shout great. Shout out Danny, uh, Danny Meyer. Let's bring on uh, David Green. St. Louis, a fellow St. Louisan. David Green, do you, get, do you have Shake Shack down in Florida? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good. I like. I actually like Burgerfy better, which we have down here also. Burgerfy. We, we don't have Burgerfy. Personal preference. Yeah, it's yeah, a public Burgerfy. company, Aaron. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I should have. BG. I know about it. BGFI. Do you I trade think? it? Burgerfy. I don't yeah. know if it's public or not. They just have. It is. Burgers. It is. It is. Go. <laughs> yeah. It's uh. It's BGFI. Let's look. Oh, BFI. BFI. I might have to start investing. I eat enough. Five dollars. Five dollars, David. BFI. BFI. There we go. Anyway, uh, what are you trading today, David? BFI. Hold on. i got to look at my burger fi. I might want to buy some of this thing. It's I eating alone, down. I I'll tell you that. Prop zoom, up the stock. Zoom out, zoom out on this chart and look how beaten down it is. You know what uh, look, that everybody, everybody in my room wants to buy some BFI now. No, don't buy BFI. Wow. <laughs> <clears throat> no, if you can't buy it now, you can never buy it, right? Just like AMC at 40 and 30 and 20. Right now, the stock is cheaper than their burgers. Hey, boom! No question about it. You can buy a share of stock for less than a burger. Cost. Very nice. <laughs> what are we trading today? We're we're uh, we're being Jack be nimble, Jack be quick. I can tell you that right now. We have um, both yesterday and today. Um, when markets get like this and they sort of get out of hand a little bit, and you're not sure if levels are going to hold and stuff, we cut our size. And I think that's a smart thing to do for everybody out there. Yeah, America's best still good, guys. If we get it right now, let's hang out for one more minute. Um, you guys know I've been doing this, you know, since the uh, Constitution was written. And I have not seen markets like this in my career. And, um, you know, you just got to be careful. All right, cancel it now, guys. We just missed it. By just elaborate on that for a second, David, just in terms of like consecutive down days or, or what do you mean? Just the volatility. You know, okay. we talk and people are talking about correction and crash and yada, yada, yada. You know, we live. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, I thought I lost you guys. Hold on. You know, this is a different time. The, the, the trading isn't like it was when we had a crash in 87 or 2008 that sometimes took five, 10 years to come back from. Right. We're not in that market anymore. I mean, I want to show you guys. Hold on. Tesla. Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. All right, yeah, Tesla, you can try really small at 904. Again, guys, cut our size, but 904 is a support level in Tesla. Um, I think we're in a market now where we have these big corrections or anyone wants to call it a so-called crash. It's not going to last very long. We're just, we're just in a different time. you know. Even if we go back to COVID, right, how long did that last? By the, by the end of the year, the market had made new highs. So we get these just these swift and brutal moves up and down. And still the technical analysis – What's up, Mike? Is what keeps us afloat, right? If, I want to show you guys the spies from yesterday, and maybe we'll get back down there again today. But this was a spot that we were looking to load up on a bunch of stuff in the spiders um, on a daily chart. Where was it? Oh, you know what? Our charts are all screwed up now. Because oh, here it is. Okay, so weekly chart. We had a level of four nineteen. Let's just call it four twenty, right? From 480 to 420, we're down 60 points. That would have been about a 15% correction, 13% to be exact. And that was a level where we wanted to get in and buy a whole bunch of stuff at 419.20. We came pretty damn close yesterday. I mean, we came within a dollar of it 
And you saw what kind of rally we had from there. So again, I'm, that's my first spot that I'm gonna, I'm gonna look. And if we can get, and I don't wanna scare anybody, but 350 is our weekly level. At 350, we're down like 27%. And On the spy? In the spy, yeah. I don't wanna hear that. Well, I'm just, I'm looking technicals, right? So 420 in the spies is gigantic. That's a, you know, we're nowhere near that now, although we came close yesterday. And then 350 is a spot. You know, if we go to 350, we're down what? 150 points, uh, you know, 35, 35%. Can it happen? Why not? My point is, though, even if I think any of these things happen, it's not going to last long. You know, we saw what happened yesterday when we got really close to our weekly support level. The market turned around and went up 1,000 points. But if you're yeah. trading this market, you just got to be, you got to be so good and you got to be so careful and you got to, NVIDIA's coming. Hold on, let me look. We just got, we were looking at a double bottom in NVIDIA at 220.70 and it just got to 220.85 and went up a dollar. Uh, all right, guys. So let's cancel it. So I'll explain this trade to everybody that we're looking at, right? NVIDIA made a low this morning of 220.80. It went up $8 from there and we were trying to buy it again if it got to 220.80. It missed by eight. Five cents and just gave a dollar trade. So we're going to cancel that for now. Let's see what the next move is in that. So, you know, technicals is where it's all at in, in, in any kind of trading market. I want to show you Tesla, guys, from yesterday. And a bunch of people in my room caught. It was Tesla and it was Microsoft that were pretty incredible on our charts. I'll show you Tesla yesterday. Look at Tesla, guys. Okay. We had a daily level in Tesla at around, I think it was 858 or 859. Look what happened when we hit that level yesterday. This is a 200 EMA. So that is a strong, strong support level. I mean, we hit that level and the same day we went up, what, 90 points from that level. So this is a big spot that a lot of people got into this trade yesterday. And then we had a giant one in Microsoft. I'll show you Microsoft too. Microsoft was also the weekly, if I'm not mistaken. Look at this, guys. Look at Microsoft. I mean, look how our technicals are telling us. It's stock down from $350. It exactly hit our level around 276 and gave a $15 trade off that yesterday. So these are the type of things we're looking for when the market starts cratering like this. When we get daily and weekly levels in some of these bigger stocks, they, they line up to be at least, you know, the same day or a one or two or two day trade. So, but here, here, here's what I don't understand, and this is not as related to to trading what we're doing here, but yeah, more just on, on the on the valuation front. So I get that the valuations on some of these tech companies got a little out of hand, but right now, I mean, Microsoft's PE is like less than thirty. It's lower than Costco's. Yeah, and your point I, is, I feel like. <laughs> I mean, we're getting to a point where I'm I'm starting to look at some of these companies like Microsoft, Apple, and saying, "Hey, this isn't a bad spot to to add some yeah, long term." And, and that's what we that's what we found yesterday in Microsoft. That was a great spot if you're not in the stock, right? Or if you're in a stock and you're getting hurt, that was a beautiful spot to either start buying it if you're not in it, or add to a trade that you're already in. Yeah, I mean, is Microsoft going? Yeah, Microsoft's wanting to. I love Microsoft, right? That's one of my long-term favorites too and you know how i feel about apple right, right. apple I, I'm, I'm hoping and praying i can get it down to this 140 level which is weekly so i can get back in some of the stock that i've sold on the way up and uh, we have earnings coming out in apple right earnings are out where are we oh and on the microsoft no we might we should know what the microsoft reports tonight 
Uh, so correct. Aware of that if and we will be in the room live trading that when it happens. And look, if you like, here's what you can do with Microsoft right now. This is the only I mean, in this market environment, I'm, I'm very excited to see how Apple and uh, Microsoft, you know, like say they have great earnings. Will, will the market weakness overshadow the great earnings or will, uh, you know, these stocks look even better because in, in, a, in a rough patch, they're diamonds shining because they have such great earnings. I don't know. I think we'll, we'll see one or the other. Yeah, I mean, my thought, if we look at Apple historically, the stock never acts well after earnings come out. Very rarely anyway. Right? If we go to a weekly chart in Apple and just go back to the last bunch of earnings, the stock, you know, for the most part has gone down every time the earnings come out. And what, you know, they have record earnings every single time they announce earnings, right? So, look, in this market environment, I kind of lean towards the latter. You know, I think, I don't think it matters what they're going to say. I think things are going to uh, go look to the downside anyway. What happened in the video, guys? Did we just miss that double bottom and it went up a dollar fifty? Yeah, what else is new? Yeah, look uh, at if that. you have any tickers for David, you want him to look the look at drop them in the chat. Uh, okay, uh, Bob, I see you. Um, Bob is asking about Slumberger. You say Slumberger, I say Slumberger. Yes. Um, Bob wants to know about SLB to forty. Okay, let's take a peek. Maybe, maybe. Now, Slumberger is going to be really closely tied to the oil market, correct? Mm -hmm, I would think. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, what um, we, that's what we know. Yeah, I mean, look, we got a little more extended up at 38. We pulled back to a support level at 35. And now we're looking good again. Um, let's look at the weekly. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be directly priced to the, uh, tied to the price of oil. So let's look, look at a little chart of oil, see where we are. Right now. Oil to 100, question mark? Yeah, with all the stuff that's going on in Russia and stuff. Sure. I think Goldman Sachs put a $100 price target on oil not too long ago. You know what's funny is every time oil gets on these runs, there's always people that come out like, oil is going to 200 and it's like, come on. Come on. Well, not going to... well Spence. Oil is you know, not going to 200 it could, 100 I can see. 200 but come on. It's not just oil, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, AMC's going to 200. AMC's going to a thousand. Uh, yeah, you guys, you're right. You guys right. know how you're I have right. felt about AMC. Every time I come on here, I say the same thing, right? Yeah, I know. We broke a, a, know. that gigantic weekly level of support. And I think when we were on last time, I said, if it doesn't hold that level, you know, just say goodbye to that. Whatever. Again, technicals, though, it's just a technical level. AMC is going to 500,000. All righty. SoFi. SoFi has been really good to us. <clears throat> right now, we have no position in SoFi. When they got their bank charter, we went into stock at lower levels and we sold it all. Matter of fact, I was talking to Spencer, right? Mm. And, uh, we said the bloom would probably come off the rose on that. Oh, um, and did it ever. Even after getting the bank charter. Now, I love this stock again long term, but I'm, I want to see if I can get it a little cheaper before I even get in it again. So we have no position in SoFi right now. Um, but I like it. I, we actually bought Palantir for the first time in my life yesterday. Um, really? Yeah. First time ever. We bought it a little bit under $12. And um, it was the first time I ever bought it. So we have a little bit of Palantir. We'll see what happens. I mean, I remember this stock. Isn't this another Kathy Wood favorite, I think? I don't remember. Uh, it, it, it's it's a retail darling, which... okay. Um, I bought right, Palantir. For, I, I bought it for a, a short swing trade uh, that I got out of a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, this is the first time I, that I've even looked at it this whole time, and we bought. I don't. Th I think your risk reward is good down at these levels, so we bought bought a little palantir to hang on to for a little bit. Wait, someone had a suggestion. Oh, okay. AMC getting closer to my four ninety nine buy buy point. I love it, Jack. <laughs> Be careful at four ninety nine. It still has five dollars to go down. Um, Nvidia guys. I don't know. The trend is 223.90, but we know this stock is wackadoodle, right, guys? I like the 225.10 in NVIDIA. You can try it small, small on the trend, trend, 223.90. So, those of you who are watching, guys, we're trading the markets live all day. And um, I think we have like, I don't know, 100 people in the room. Anytime they pop something up, we go look at it. But we're here for you guys today. Let's do more uh, stocks. David, you want to look at Shopify? Sure. You want to look at Shopify? Oh, Shopify was another one from yesterday. Right, I think this stock had a hundred and two hundred point swing from yesterday. Well, when you're a thousand dollars, that'll happen. Yeah, I mean, the stock made a low of seven hundred and eighty dollars yesterday, and closed at nine hundred and fifty bucks. But this is another one long term. Look, I mean, it's just been it's been horrible. But here, you know, we had a level in that of about eight twenty. So, I would say again, if we break this eight twenty level in Shopify, that's your line in the sand. We break 820, and we can see, you know, we went below it a little bit, but we bounced back. 820 is your line in the sand in Shopify now. Look, all these stocks, everything that we're looking at now, it's just going to trade with the market. You know, if we get another bagel schmear in the market, everything's going down again, right? UPST traded $75 yesterday. You know, this stock is down from 400 bucks to 75 so one of the things we talk about all the time is it doesn't matter where a stock was. It only matters where it's going. So, you know, then these things are going to get cheaper if the market gets cheaper. I mean, look, Kramer was on last night, if anyone watched Kramer, and he said all they did was buy, 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 buy yesterday. And whenever the markets yeah, go down, that's what you have to do is buy, 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 buy. And I guess it, it, it's, it's easy to say that, though, now in hindsight. And obviously you're going off of whatever what your indicators, technical indicators are saying, but – for people that, that may not have that on their screen, it, it's hard. It's hard to look the market Ugh. in the face down 4% and say, yep, I'm going to come in here and do the buying. There's no it's question hard. about it. And, it's very difficult. And and one of the things, and here's why there are no experts, guys, and CNBC and everybody else and whatever. Everybody's got an opinion, but he is, was expecting big follow-through in the markets this morning, and here we are. We're down 1,000 points. So yeah, everything yeah. that he bought, 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 bought yesterday is down a lot today so mm -hmm. if you have look if you have a long-term horizon which you know there's a lot of young people that are trading that are starting to trade now and in my room and everywhere else when things like this happen you start to pick at things that's what you do but you still use your technicals even to do that like yesterday when we were at our lows the technicals were telling us in the spiders that we were very close to a point where you can start buying stuff and that's what you do and, and you start uh, slowly and you add to positions and you're going to be fine a year, two years, three now, years from now, if that is your time horizon. But if you're going to be trading in this market now, if you're not using technical analysis, you're done. You're done. There's no way because you're going to say something can't keep going down or something can't keep going up and, and you're just going to get blown out of the water. 150%. You know, Bitcoin was something that we were looking at, right? Let's talk about Bitcoin. Everybody's into Bitcoin, right? And if we go to the weekly chart in Bitcoin, again, it didn't get near the levels that I wanted it to. You know, I thought, and if we keep going down like this, I think Bitcoin can get to 27,000. 
That's the weekly level in Bitcoin. So that'll be a spot that I start looking to buy a lot of Bitcoin related stuff if we can get down there. So, you know, even for long term stuff, to me, it's all about technicals. I'm not buying companies with bad fundamentals when I get into them, right? Well, how, so, so how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, because I'm buying an Apple, I'm buying an NVIDIA, I'm buying a Microsoft, I'm buying, you know, stocks that have strong fundamentals that have been great for years and years and years. And when these things go on sale, you know, you want to jump in and buy them. You know, it's like your favorite coat is a hundred bucks and it goes on sale for 50 bucks. What are you going to do? You're not going to buy it. So these are the stocks that you look for when you get opportunity, I say it's when the market is really going down, for lack of a better term, right? In my mind, guys, there's no such thing as a crash. A crash is just a buying opportunity if you're a long-term trader. And I don't think any crash that we have, as I said earlier, these days is going to last that long. I just don't. You know, the reason that we're even going, all right, my reason that we're going through what we're going through right now and why the market is doing what it's doing. Please. Well, yes. the one thing that the market hates is uncertainty. You can pop all the bad news. Look, they came out their last Fed meeting, or maybe it was, I think it was the last one, and said they're going to raise rates four times next year, right? The market made all-time uh, highs off that. Yeah, I mean. They, Whatever they said, it doesn't matter what yeah. they said, but they, they came out and said what they were going to do with certainty, right? This is what we're going to do. And the market shrugged off anything with that, and we went and made all-time highs. Right now, there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty in a lot of different things, right? We have geopolitical events going on. We have Corona going on and Omicron going on. And the market just does not like uncertainty. We'll climb walls of worries from today till tomorrow if you put it in front of us and tell it what it is. But the reason we're doing, my opinion, the reason we're doing what we're doing now is there's a lot of uncertainty. We have a gigantic Fed meeting tomorrow, right, guys? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is going to be... God knows what's going to happen from that. You know, I, I would think if the markets, and again, just my opinion, were down significantly, are down significantly, it might change their mind. They might not be in such a hurry to raise rates, and they might come out and say that. Look, market conditions and geopolitical events, you know, we're going to pull back a little bit, and maybe we'll only raise one or two times next year. Then you'll get a gigantic relief rally in the market. If they come out with all this other stuff that's going on and say, nope, we're staying the course, this is what we're going to do. We're going to follow through on that. Then I think we get a, I, I, a gigantic even if, down. E even if like I I knew what they were going to say, I don't even think I could tell you what the market how the market where we. Me neither. Uh, that, that's wait. another thing too, Spencer. Right? Who knows? Um, okay. Well, let, let's start with this low hanging fruit. Uh, has ARKK hit a bottom? Well, who can say for sure? Um, uh, Reese, uh, who is asking that question, but. Let's take a look at the technicals, um, right? Let's see what first. Let's see what David's indicators say. All right, so I'm going to a daily chart first. Um, this stock is in a horrible, horrible downtrend. I'm sure the weekly is going to look worse. So let's take a look at the weekly. Yeah, that's yeah, I mean, pretty. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, right? So, to me, okay, I can't even look at this stock as far as getting back in it until a stock mm -hmm. can break this downtrend that it's in which is up at about $76. So I can't I, I can't get positive on this until it could show strength and get above at least a daily downtrend, right? Now, has it hit bottom? Your guess is as good as mine. Did it get really oversold yesterday after being down five days in a row and getting a relative strength down around 20.20? 20? Yeah, it did. 
So that was certainly a spot to play a bounce, but this just chart looks horrible. So and, the, one, the, the thing I'll say about ARC, and this goes for any fund, but ARC especially, is like, ask yourself if you really want to own the stocks that are in this fund. And it. if you do, that's fine. If you do, that's totally fine. But like, take a look under the hood. See what it's got. It's got a lot of Zoom, right? It's got a lot. It's got Roku. It's got Tesla's a lot. The biggest it's, got, it's got a lot. Yeah, it's got Tesla. Coin, which huge. made all-time lows yesterday. Right. Unity. Unity, right. And the, so, so, there's nothing wrong with those necessarily per se, but like, ask yourself if you want to own those companies, number one. Number two, I think if you're if you're buying ARC with the expectation that it'll, it will maintain its 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 returns from the last several years because from 20 well i think it would have been good jason but it was like from 2016 to 2020 it was like one of the top performing etfs like on the market if you're up hundreds of percent yes a thousand up thousands i I mean if you're buying it to expect that you're chasing past performance which is a great way to lose money so um there's nothing wrong with owning growth i own arkw I've I've owned it for 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 a minute. I don't intend to sell. Um, it is a small slice of my pie, but know that returns are cyclical. And if you're buying something with to chase the past performance, that's that's not a great reason to buy. Yeah, something. that's a great that's lesson. That, so that, 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 that's a that's a great lesson. Yeah, I mean she's in these high growth stocks that when they go they all go in one direction and this is what's going to happen to the funds when it happens okay fine we've had a couple questions about crispr crsp that's i haven't i don't know what that, i'm assuming it's down because it's biotech and biotech is so oh my gosh yeah crispr it was 220 dollars um CRISPR was a, a, a year ago it correct. was 220. correct Aye. Yeah, but again, you know. Wait, not uh, a year ago. Wait, yes, a year ago. Sorry, I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, February, just yeah. about a year ago. Yeah, okay. Um, You know, it's the same thing. These things got to show me some strength before I want to get involved in any of them. But, you know, Myrna was, uh, what, $500 four months ago. I know. And Moderna's been brutal. So, you know, the one thing that we talk about, you know, I don't care where a stock's been. We only care about where a stock is going. And, and, and the other thing I'll say is in addition to looking at like things like David's indicators, if you're looking at a specific stock, like let's say CRISPR, for example, right? CRISPR, unless it has specific news on their drugs, uh, CRISPR is not going to move in a vacuum. It's going to move more than likely with the rest of the sector. So take a look at the IBB or the XBI or, or other stocks like Moderna, right? Take a look at that. Understand what the broad industry trend is. Is everything in the industry moving down? Then what makes CRISPR so special, right? Um, if, is everything starting to turn? Well, then that's a different story. But I would say don't. Take a look at, if you're going to look at the stock, take a look at, at the stock's peers. Take a look at their friends. You can do that in Benzinga Pro. Um, <coughs> just, you know, take or just look at an ETF, see what the top holdings are on the IBB. Um, more often than not, stocks move in groups. Um, what about lucid i mean look let me just talk about biotech for a minute i mean this has been just a horrendous horrendous time for biotechs i mean there has been no relief in these things for i don't know three and a half months now it's been just none 
It's been horrible. Okay, go ahead. Let's move on. Um, uh, someone asked about Lucid. Yes. We're just watching Tesla here, guys. We got a bid out if we get down to this uh, 90430 level for a little trade. That'll be down $13. So we're keeping our eyes on that. All right, Lucid. These things kind of all trade together, too. The, the EV stock that was, for whatever reason, holding up better than the rest, but not right now. Yeah, I mean, look, a, a sinking market's going to ship every sink everything that we are. Exactly. So, you know, we're in a daily, we're in the middle of everything on a daily. But I could tell you this, you know, I like Lucid longer term. I'd be a buyer of Lucid if we hit our 200. Longer term is the key, is the key there, longer term. Yeah, longer term, I'm a buyer if we hit 3150. Right now, technically, we're right in the middle of everything. Look, if you guys are in stocks that you believe in and you believe the story and the fundamentals and all that stuff, that's fine. Okay. Uh, you know, if you look for spots to add to these things that make sense technically to add to them, that's all I would say. You know, for anybody who's who's in these things, at, especially at higher prices, you got to look for stocks. Things are starting to come on sale a little bit. So look to what add to your stocks on? at technical levels. What that's is all. going on in Bed Bath and Beyond? Whoever asked that, Bed Bath is decides to rip up eight percent. Holy um, cow! The Qs are now down about more than three, approaching three and a half percent. Good call yeah, out there. Markets down a thousand, a thousand points again. Yeah, BBBY What's is kind of bucking the trend. Chop, well, chop, you know chop. what though? Weren't in there a lot of takeover speculation and all the you know coals got taken over yet? Yeah, that the process. I mean, taken over. Uh, okay, yes, that's Macy's true. So you yesterday. can look at Macy's. Yes, Macy's, yeah. Coles, Nordstrom. A lot of retail yesterday. I, I don't want to put Bed Bath in with that group for the sole reason that the stock itself, even though it belongs in that group, the stock is sort of its own beast. Um, but good. yeah, it was a meme stock for a bit too, wasn't that one? Didn't it go to like yes, and it was five dollars or something. $30. Exactly, it, it was for a minute. Um, it's got a low float. It's easy to push around. Yep, it's e easy to manipulate. It's got forty million share float. All it takes is one big fish, one big whale, to come in there right. and push that guy around. So it does not take you got a lot the of fifty-four dollars. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, this going to fifty-four was like AMC, uh, GameStop going to four eighty-three. Right. Well, yeah, it's the same thing. So. Um, but no, I mean, so all you can do in the case of Bed Bath today is look at it technically. That's all you can do. There yeah. is no. Yeah, there's no fundamentals to back up this move. No, none so, whatsever. And there's nothing the technically about it, about like this. Right. You've got the whole market is down. The S&P is down two and a quarter percent. So Bed Bath is actually up more. Percentage wise, it, it, percentage wise, it's up. Uh, like nine percentage points, almost 10, actually more than 10 percentage points better than the overall market. Um, yeah, so the relative strength today is off the charts. This is not fundamentally driven. This is just stupid market driven, and this is what happens all the time. So. Exactly. So anybody out there want to tell me what's going to happen the rest of today and tomorrow? I could use a little help. Uh, I'm <laughs> sticking with my thesis of Chop City. So whatever we do today... It'll be the opposite tomorrow. That's where I stand going forward. Um, right, I like that. The I only like thing that gave me pause was we did make a significant new low yesterday across the board, but that vicious bounce has um, reaffirmed my 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 theory of we're just gonna be and and maybe we maybe the spy goes back to like a 
you know, uh, a, a 460, but I can't, I can't really see us, you know, um, I just can't really see us doing much of anything for the rest of the year. Uh, at least maybe if we just get some rate hikes out of the way, I don't, I don't really know the rest of the year. It's only January. No, no, but I, I, I'm in the camp of like, we just might just see this up, this up down action for the whole year. I, that's sort of where I'm at. I'm buying Microsoft calls into close today. Ooh, let's take a look and see which ones you're buying so we can hold you all right, to and, it. And, and, all right, let's do that, and then we got to wrap because we got our next guest here. So Microsoft right. calls. Let's go Microsoft. the close. Hold on. Yeah, I just think we're going to see blowout earnings. I think in, uh, let's get the I, I, I think no matter hold what on. the overall market does tomorrow, it's not going to matter because people are going to realize that Microsoft has gotten a little too oversold. It's still a massive company making a lot of money. Oh, boy. And that's what matters at the end of the day. All right, so you see, you see how expensive these things are? What are you looking at? We're at 286 right now. They are so expensive. Guys, what's the expected um, move in Microsoft tonight? Well, are you looking at are you looking at uh, the expiration for this Friday? Yes, three days. Uh, Got to be at least some, 10 uh, Let's do three o three o five, about eight percent upside. All right, so the even. expected move is twenty dollars. Okay, so if you All like right. it, where are we now? Two eighty six. So three o six. That's about where you go. That is the expected move. They're trading at about three dollars and forty cents. That is the expected move right there. So if they come out better, it could be much better than that. Twenty bucks in either direction. All right. So twenty bucks up three oh five, so three dollars and twenty cents. Twenty bucks down two sixty-five or three dollars and fifty-five cents. They're actually a little more expensive on the downside. I think that's just because people are scared of what's going on in the market. Yeah, people right are now. buying puts right now to hedge. I don't know. I just think Can I can I make a PSA? Sure. We, we are going to be live streaming the Microsoft conference call today. It's at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Check it out on our channel. We're going to be streaming that um, if you all want to listen to that conference call. All right. I'll let all you right, know guys. how to go, David. Right. Yeah, Jack, be nimble. Jack, be quick in this market, guys. Everybody, just be careful. Look for look for longer-term levels, and don't panic if the market goes down a lot from here. That's it. Just don't. Hey, that's it. All right, David Green joins the show every Tuesday. Thanks a lot, David. We'll catch you next week. Thank you, guys. All righty, let's move on to our uh, um, next interview here. Uh, this is very exciting. Um, th this company that uh, we're going to have on right now uh, announced a merger uh, today. They're going public via SPAC. Um, we're talking to a visual effects company. Uh, we talk a lot about streaming on this show. We talk a lot about the metaverse and uh, video games. And this company would sort of check all of those boxes in a way. Uh, DNEG, we're talking to the chairman and CEO, Namit Malhotra. Um, they are merging uh, with the SPAC. The SPAC ticker is AKIC. That ticker will, of course, change when the merger is completed, but that is your ticker for right now, AKIC. Let's give Namit our, our special intro, okay, Aaron? Let's do it. Let's give him a special intro. <laughs> Namit Malhotra, welcome to the show. Hi guys, how are you? Good. How you're having an exciting day? Congratulations. Yes, thank you. It's been a long time coming. Finally, glad to be here. Yeah. Speaking of that, so the, you you tried to IPO a couple years back, right? And you decided to pull it, um, and 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 so now you're doing the SPAC. So so why why now? So you know, for us, obviously, the idea has been to. Uh, you know, get to a public platform because that's where we've identified massive opportunities for our uh, future growth. Uh, that being said, you know, a couple, a few years ago, 
DNEG being a London uh, company, the original thought was that we should try and list it in the UK in 2019 with the Brexit, uh, you know, volatilities mm. and the markets being choppy. It felt like it wasn't the right time to go ahead with it, with uh, all the stuff that was happening. And then there was the pandemic in the, in the world and with the success that the content companies have had in the US, it felt like uh, it's the best time to be entering and uh, being in the market where all the big content players are at and really uh, build our own proposition from that standpoint. So I've, I've, I've got your your hype reel up on, on the screen right now. So again, uh, you, you guys are a company that provides visual effects to all the major studios, streaming platforms. You've worked on Marvel, The Matrix, James Bond. Um, is that a good summary of, of, of the business? Yeah, so we do animation and visual effects. Uh, okay. So you saw there was a visual of Ron's Gone Wrong, which is a film that uh, 20th Century produced. Uh, and that's an, you know, uh, so it's basically creative-led uh, services uh, on the back of our proprietary tool, uh, tools and technology. That's, uh, and, and it's not just Hollywood, but we also have a, a pretty robust and massively growing uh, emerging markets business. Uh, so we work between the East and the West uh, and cover everything in between. Where, where are your where's your largest um, uh, customer base? Where, where your largest market right now? Most is that is that in the U.S. So, that... so the largest market by way of revenue and uh, financial scale is obviously the U.S. Uh, okay. That being said, you know we have lots of productions that we do for uh, emerging markets, whether they are India or China, and uh, you know with markets like Korea and beyond, uh, starting to become much more real. Uh, I think that mix is starting to grow uh, a lot more even from the emerging market size. Uh, a question that I have is, how is the shift to streaming impacting your business? So I, I want to bring up this chart from your from your investor deck here. Um, as as the money being spent is shifted away from the traditional studios and more into the platforms like Netflix and Amazon and Apple TV, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, how does that impact your business? So there is a lot in your in your deck about your recurring revenue. I, so if you could speak to, to how that shift in capital affects you and also where that recurring revenue, how that's structured. So, you know, firstly, we have a <clears throat> deep history with the creative storytellers in the business. So, you know, you can uh, basically, whether they're filmmakers, directors, producers, and the uh, studios, we've been working with them for over 20 years uh, in our in our history and doing you know very very significant and credible uh, work the emergence of the streaming platforms basically is an alternative path of distribution it's basically saying instead of going to a theatrical window first we can go direct onto a streaming platform we can go simultaneously and that's something that most content creators are now picking uh, to their choice what is the best way to uh, right out that content to the world so for us it doesn't really matter in terms of whether you go to the cinema first or you go to the streaming platform first. What it does help do is that because of the emergence of the streaming business model, there's a lot more demand for content. Like it's not about those 48 weekends a year. It's now a lot bigger in terms of, uh, you know, streaming companies release content on a Monday or on a Thursday. Uh, and it's not about getting on a Friday or any of that. So that opens up the universe of how much content is being consumed. And that really helps drive significant tailwinds for us. Uh, can, can you explain the recurring revenue thing? So, and so, how, like, how does the deal structure work? So, you you'll sign a deal with like, I don't know, Netflix, for example, and that deal is not for any specific 
movie or it is or it's a multi-year thing so can you explain that so i think see no no two deals are the same but uh, right. that being said uh, you know there's, there's there's one scenario which is basically somebody just saying here's a minimum guarantee we know we're going to need x amount of capacity over the next x number of years and we we don't know what we're going to make in 2023 or 2024 but we know we're going to be creating content and we're going to need services so that's a more simple straightforward transaction the the other uh, formulation of that is that you know in the if i go back to the older theatrical model any of the big studios everybody's got that 12 to 15 uh, distribution slots that they all had uh, in any calendar year and we we always know that they're going to make if you're making a big very successful franchise in all likelihood there's going to be another one to that so for example we did the very first uh, venom for sony and right. uh, soon as that became a big hit and they decided to come back and make the next uh, version of venom we uh, were asked to come back on and uh, work on that again so it sort of builds that link because you know we've obviously worked with the studio and the filmmakers and designing the characters the assets so it becomes a very easy uh, capability for us to take what's the next phase of that story's journey and uh, bring our uh, services on that and that's sort of uh, how our uh, connect with either projects or franchises or studios, you know, sort of rolls from one project to another or from one year to another. Right. What's the most you've ever heard of one, uh, you know, production company essentially spending on on special effects or, or CGI for one project? You know, uh, what I've heard is, is uh, you know, they, it, there's, there have been projects that have gone as high as about 120 to $140 million in just their uh, CGI budgets. That's not, I would also say that's not the ordinary uh, course of business. That's not regular. I think uh, it's, uh, it's important to say that uh, in, in any of these big uh, franchise or any of these big action extravaganzas you see, visual effects does form to be the largest line item on the budget. So there can be the $100 million projects uh, every once in a while, but there's also, uh, it's fair to say that as many, as many projects are made, Visual effects continues to be a big portion of that budgetary spend on any piece of content. Uh, I'm I put up a chart here just of your your recent uh, uh, fiscal year revenue uh, totals and your your uh, you know guidance out and of course one of the one of the uh, uh, features of the SPAC process is is you're allowed to to give numbers this far out in the future. IPOs are not. Um, what is going to drive this top line revenue growth? You, uh, you know, you guys are coming off a year of, uh, $306 million in revenue last year. Obviously the, the, you know, pandemic affected that you're guiding for $400 million in revenue this year, which is more in line than more in line with prior years, but you know, going out two, three, four or five years, you, you're given pretty significant guidance here. So what's, what's driving this growth? So, you know, I think, uh, you know, obviously you, you're seeing numbers which are as, uh, late as, uh, fiscal year 19, which is March 31 of uh, 19. And that's only going three years back. But if you actually see the trajectory of our business in the last five or six years, we've pretty much tripled the revenue of the of the business uh, in terms of where we stand today. And that's happened organically without any momentum or crazy momentum that we're seeing uh, being driven by the streaming market reality. Uh, as a company, as a business, uh, we've fortunately always had the ability to uh, you know, we've had more demand than, than availability, and that's sort of meant that uh, our scalability has not been the challenge in terms of revenue, uh, or, or, you know, ability to attract revenue. It's been more about 
how we build capacity. And this ability to go public and raise capital for growth really helps uh, expand our uh, resource pool and, and uh, build our capacity up, which is really what that one aspect of it talks about. But primarily, you know, uh, we are seeing, you know, as you put up the slide earlier, we're talking about streamers, talking about numbers that, you know, there's going to be over a hundred billion of money being spent in the creation of new content almost every year. Uh, and that's, those kind of numbers are unseen, unheard before. So what we are still doing is a pretty conservative approach to say, can we kind of double our revenues over the next three to five years? Uh, and that can happen rather organically as we build capacity. Uh, the deal today values uh, your company, I, I believe, like 11 and 11 and a half times EBITDA. Um, how how does that compare to to the industry? There aren't, I mean, there aren't many other. So, so I think that's a great question. And that's something that, you know, I feel like is, is really the opportunity in where we are at. So the fact is that there isn't a real comp uh, existing in terms of a direct comp. There's obviously a lot of companies that are in the streaming space, in the technology space, in the uh, you know, in the, in the content creation space, but there isn't any specific uh, direct comp. And I think the idea of the approach we took here was, uh, because this is not a deal where we are all selling out or taking secondaries home. This is really about building for the future of the growth. The idea was to price ourselves in a very, what I would call a very safe zone, which, which actually helps to uh, give us a very fair landing or a safe landing, because the opportunity is really about the future growth and, and, and what that brings. And that's sort of, uh, it was not a magic number. It was literally, uh, we always look at ranges and as you keep performing, I mean, as you keep growing, the multiple keeps coming down, which is, so if I told you six months or nine months ago, that number would have been, the multiple would have been a little higher, but as we keep delivering better and better numbers, that multiple looks uh, a little bit more compressed, which I think is uh, uh, a great invitation, frankly, to the markets to hopefully give us their thumbs up and, uh, you know, right, and as we on. go forward uh, and build value, I think there's a tremendous opportunity for everyone. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, Namit Mahosha is the chairman and CEO of uh, DNEG. Going back, AKIC is your ticker for now. Uh, uh, Mr. Mahosha, thank you so much for coming on Benzinga Live today. Thank you. Good talking to you. All right. Look, the, the reason I want to get, get Namit on the show is, again, this is a company that checks a lot of boxes, right, that would – that. There's a lot of like the sexy boxes, streaming, there's metaverse implications, there's gaming implications. Um, is it worth the valuation? Well, that's what the market, that's what the market will decide, right? The market will decide that. I am not someone that is willing to just blindly write off a company just because it decides to go SPAC, clearly, because I, I own SoFi, um, right? So I, I think writing off a company because they go SPAC is, is uh, not the way to do it, Um but uh, the beauty, look, people go back for a variety of reasons. It's it's quicker. It's a faster process than the IPO process. Um, uh, the IPO process itself isn't is definitely is not perfect. Um, so uh, look, the market will decide as as it always does, and that's the beauty of this. So we can we can debate bullish or bearish, total blue in the face. But um, for the moment, um, growth is out of favor. I guess I would call this a growthy name it's it's growthy it's growthy yeah um, i will say the one thing that i well i i like the space because like we've mentioned um we've seen how much money these big companies whether it's apple amazon uh netflix are willing to spend on content 
right? The old adage is true. Content, content is, is king. king. So these yeah. companies will come in and spend billions and billions of dollars on content. Now, the, the flip side is that I think a lot of the major studios um, have in-house, you know, special effects teams kind of. So, so it'll be interesting to see how that revenue model that uh, Namit was describing, yeah. how, how that plays out. And again, there is no, as he was saying, there really is no company like them. It's currently public. So there's sort of a, a, a industry unto itself, uh, at least in terms of the public market. Um, so, yeah, and that might give them an advantage that they're able to kind of shop themselves to the different studios, to the different companies, saying like, oh, instead of just having, you know, your team that you have, you guys can hire us for this project and go to all the different um, studios and do that. We'll see. We'll see. It, it, uh, that's it. That's a company that I will add to. Well, I, I'm going to wait until the merger closes, and then I'm going to add it to my to my watch. So, uh, not necessarily to buy. But I'm curious to see how it behaves. How does it trade? Does it trade with, with the streamers? Does it trade with the video game companies? Does it trade with the? Uh, I don't know. That's that, that's what I want to find out. So, um, anyway, I uh, hope you guys like that. Uh, we're gonna have um, a few more guests on throughout the show today. We're gonna have Robert Roy on in about twenty or so minutes ish. We'll have Christian Farmhurst on after that. Uh, so save your ticker questions for those two because. Uh, they're the pros. In the meantime, Aaron, uh, for the last couple of days, I've been trying and forgetting to uh, reference our. Do you remember the um, stock of the year spreadsheet we did? Yep. Yeah, I keep meaning to bring that up, and I keep forgetting. So um, I'm going to do that right now. Uh, a few weeks ago, if you're watching our show on January 3rd, we just spontaneously decided to do a. Um, uh, a contest, and we, uh, we, we've we closed the, the contest, obviously, because it would be unfair for people to have a three-week um, head start. But we say, hey, what is your stock of the year? Let us know. And um, the first three weeks are telling because almost nobody is doing well. Hey, how's that for a cool camera angle? What's up? Oh, my gosh. We're zooming. We've got a big bounce We're on. Zooming. We've got a big bounce on Bitcoin right now too. I'm just trying to keep track of everything going on in the market. Yeah. Bitcoin is up uh, like two percent over the last hour. We'll, we'll we'll do a crypto update soon. But I'm watching Bitcoin right now. Um, what's interesting is Coinbase isn't really. I mean, it's getting a bounce, but it's not really trading as. High. I mean, I, I was expecting after looking at Bitcoin's chart to see Coinbase have a big bounce and haven't really. Where am I looking? Where? Oh, there's the camera. <laughs> I don't know where to look either. Don't worry. There's so many cameras oh. now. It's not just you. Um, on the Bitcoin front, we did have someone pick uh, uh, Hut 8 Mining and someone else picked Hive Blockchain. Can I, I just want to share this for one second. We're not going to spend too much time on this. This is our stock of the year spreadsheet. And um, yeah, you can see it's not great. Uh, well, let, let's sort it by um, here. Look at this. Aaron J is the only person... That is up. What and stock was it? He picked a valet. Oh, that, yeah, they're doing well. Energy, baby. Energy and materials. Um, whoever picked Baba is is in second place. But but look at these returns year to date. Um, we what? have. I'm like in dead last. Run has been terrible. Run. We have a Sundot. We have a Genie. We have a Sofi. MSOS was me. That's been horrible. Disney. Mateo, um, actually, my dad uh, instructed me to buy some Disney 
um, for my for my mom's account today. Um, I tried to tell him I only wanted to buy um, 50 shares. He wanted me to buy 100. I said, I don't want to do that. And he basically just called me a, you know, a, <laughs> he told me to grow some balls. <laughs> That's fair. That's, <laughs> that's that's warranted. So, um, anyway. um, uh, Airbnb. This is a nice segue, though. Once we're finished with this, I do have to. Well, the, this is done. I'm just the bottom line here is we stink so far. That's the bottom line. Just wanted to show you guys this. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you, what do you want to show us? Sorry, <laughs> Christian. Don't worry, you're not last yet. Well, I was gonna say we're talking about stocks. Um you know, that have been beaten down. I added two stocks to my long-term portfolio today that have been beaten down. These are my two uh, big high-conviction trades at this point of the year. Yeah, one of them you've been you've been all over. Which, INST? Yeah, INST. That's, that's not even one of them. Oh, shoot. All right. Although, interestingly enough, you brought that up. INST is green again today, just showing, like, Choo choo. Some some relative strength against the market. Every day it seems like the markets are down two percent. INST uh it somehow stays in the green. So definitely some strong signs there. Um but these are two stocks. So we've we've talked a lot about this before, and I don't love uh, you know, trading just off of, of insider trading. I don't I don't love trading off of one thing anytime. Like I like mm-hmm. to take all information um that's out there into account and then make my decisions. Um, so while taking into account how beaten up these stocks have gotten, how um, – and then we talk about selling a lot, insider selling. Eh, there's a lot of different reasons to sell. There's really only one reason to buy. Um, I'm going to pull up the the site, the page we have on Benzinga where you can actually find this information. Share my screen here. Do-do-do. Um, all right, so we can throw some filters on here. I'm I'm just doing from the first of this year, 01, 2022 to 01, oops, 01, 25, 2022. Um, yeah, search by here. So these are all insider trades, both uh, buys and sells since the beginning of the year. We're going to sort by size. All right, this mortgage trust, 160 billion, that's like a fund or something. That's not really that interesting. Here's the first thing that I find interesting. Asana CEO, Dustin Moskovitz, adding... Uh, He's been loading up. Adding 73 million on January 3rd, uh, 68 million on on January 21st, 47 million on on January 6th. So he's added effectively... Let's do some quick math right here. 73, we'll call that 140. Uh, we'll call that one, let's call it 185. He's added $185 million worth of Asana stock just in the last month alone. Um, Asana, to give you some, some context on its price action, 52 week high at one point was trading at $145, currently at $50. So this is one that has gotten beaten up even by the tech and growth standards that are out there. Um, I like Asana here. I'm adding it again long term. I'm not saying, hey, if the markets are weak, this can't go down another 10, 20%. Of course it can. It can go from $50 to 40 to 35 uh, But do I think that Asana will be higher than $50 when it's time for me to, you know, it's in my, it's in my Roth IRA. It's very long term. Okay. 
I, I, I have a thing about Dust, uh, Asana and Dustin Moskowitz real fast, and I don't have any data to support this. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the, you know what you're sharing on the screen right now, which is very, very helpful. But I have – I don't know if I remember a CEO buying his own company stock as aggressively as Dustin Moskowitz has bought Asana in the last year. Let me just show you. I'm going to go into Benzinga Pro and just show you just how many transactions he has made. Uh, and is that a bullish signal? Sure. But, like, I think he's an outlier. I think very, very few company executives. Let's see, I'm in a SEC filing news feed, and I just searched for ASAN. Look at the sheer number of buys, and let's just scroll, and, and, and we can look together. So we're looking – we've got um, four in January. I'm sorry, five in January. In, let's go back to December. One, two, three, four. Four in December. In November, we've got one. Um, looks like just the one in November. Um, let's go back to October. Two in October. Let's go back to September. Two in September. Let's go back to August. None in August. Um, uh, he bought more. He bought July. He bought in June. He, how many in June? Three in June? Four in June? But here's what I think. He I, has been buying five in June? How many buys did this guy make? He has been buying so much. And that's fine. That's Again, that's only one, one reason to buy because you're bullish your company uh he bought on the way up and he's buying on the way down as well i think in like if you were to like um measure like the quantity of a ceo's insider buys dustin moskowitz would be an outlier on the spectrum i don't know of another ceo that is buying as much as aggressively as he has um I think uh, uh, so. I think a ceo knows that hey if i buy some stock right now it's a good look for the stock right people like like myself, I like seeing when insiders are buying. And and I, I hear you. I would rather see, you know, insiders across the board buying, showing that, hey, all the people with the most knowledge about this company are bullish for the, the company's future. But to me, this isn't some like PR play by Dustin. Ma I mean, he. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not accusing him of trying to like manipulate his stock or anything. like that. No, I'm just saying that like at that point with the dollar amounts that you're playing with. I mean, think about it. Four of these ads have been in January of this year amid this, like, market sell-off. Tech is so weak. Like, he's not a dumb guy. I don't think he's throwing $200 million down if he thinks the stock's going to go down another 50%. Do I think that the stock, like I said, can go down another 10 20% if the market continues to be weak? Sure. Um, that's why I'm adding it to my long-term portfolio. I'm not, like, buying short-term call options on this or anything. Yeah. Um, but similarly, uh, another stock that I like also has had some insider buying, and that's DocuSign. Uh, Daniel Springer, president and CEO, uh, has added about $10 million worth of DocuSign shares over the past, I uh, will call it two months. By the way, do, do you want to share what tool you're using? Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, so right now I'm on uh, our Benzinga Insider Trades. Uh, honestly, I just found it by Googling Benzinga Insider Trades. But we do have a new <laughs> API coming out uh, in 2022. That is going to be an insider trades API. I'm going to go ahead and share a link in the chat that you can check out some of those APIs because they're very great tools for finding stocks like this. Um, DocuSign, I'll talk a little bit more about my bull case on that 
you can see on here as well, a lot of this selling is dating back to 2019. There really hasn't been a lot of selling in the past uh, year and a half anyway. Uh, but here, let me grab this link for you guys on the API so you can check that out. If you guys have any questions on the APIs, please reach out to us, shows at Benzinga.com, and we'll get you in touch with the right people at Benzinga. Uh, something to do in a couple of weeks here when we get to the, the barrage of 13F filings for, for the end of the year is we can look at uh, the stocks that were most bought and sold among the largest institutional hedge funds last quarter. Um, but the insider transactions thing is more of a, more of a real time. Right, because they have to file the... Uh... Right. If, if you are, filing. if you own, uh, what is it, more than 10%? Yeah, um, if you're a 10% owner. Yeah, you need to file any time there is a change of own, if you buy or sell, basically, is what it comes down to. So, um, okay, so good call out there. Asana and DocuSign. Um, I just, before, I, we, before we forgot, on the Microsoft call options note, Aaron, uh, just for your own awareness, um, I was looking at the uh, post earnings move in Microsoft. Okay. And more often than not, Microsoft is higher um, the day after its earnings report. So I might you, have already missed the boat if Microsoft got a little bounce here, honestly, because they were already expensive. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up the your pro because I'm going to my pro because I'm keeping. Yeah, I mean, like I, I probably mentioned that half i mean david was still on so that was before noon it looks like microsoft has bounced a couple bucks since then we'll do another looking on those but let me go back yeah. to docusign real okay. quick okay so docusign um i mean if you're unfamiliar with this stock basically the story is that they created the service that allows you to electronically sign contracts great service legally binding uh and their moat is just incredible i mean it doesn't matter who you are Everyone uses DocuSign. It's in the business world. It's become a verb. Hey, can you DocuSign this? Um, just like Google has, has, you know, entered our language, entered our lexicon. Um, but going back to before COVID, right? This is one of those companies that gets obviously pushed forward during COVID. More people had to electronically sign contracts. You're not getting, you're not doing as much business in person. Um, so, so rightfully so, the stock, you know, skyrocketed, but. After this recent drawdown, and we had a huge earnings miss uh, last quarter in November for Q3 of 2021, where the stock went down like 30% after the earnings or something crazy. Oh, yeah. um, and like we talked about with Snap and Netflix, the stocks often continue to trade lower off of that earnings report. They don't typically fill that gap right back up. But right now we're at $116 a share. We were at like 90 bucks a share pre-COVID. We're almost at our pre-COVID levels in DocuSign for a company that has grown a lot because of the COVID-19 pandemic. If we go to our financials here in Benzinga Pro, um, I'm looking at annual right now. And what we can see is that in 2018 to 2019, you had a, a about 20% growth in gross profit. And that was before COVID. So this was a company that's growing before COVID. You can see how much uh, revenue in 2020. And then... So, so we've essentially doubled our revenue in two years, and the stock is only trading up about 20% from where it was pre-COVID, a little bit more. Yeah, what I'm not sure what they've said going forward though, as far uh, as far as uh, the, the the future growth, uh, the rate, the 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 financial ratios would tell you kind of a mixed bag, because on the one hand you see. Uh, a forward PE of 51, you say 51, that's that's pretty high. The S&P is like in the 20s. Um, it is a little bit lower 
compared to the industry average, which is something the industry average is in the 70s, and so DocuSign's at 51, so it's a little bit cheaper than some of its peers. It's not exactly saying a whole lot because some of its peers are very expensive. It's got a price of sales of 12. 12. That's a lot. That's pretty. That's a pretty high, uh, pretty high price of sales ratio. The S and P five hundred average, I think, is like four. So, again, it's technology. It deserves a higher price of sales. I'm not saying it doesn't. Um, Twelve is not off the charts. Um, so, but it's a little high. But to Aaron's point, you know, when when you're looking at companies that are super beaten down, and do you, do you want to buy the dip and um, you you want to look for and everyone says oh you buy fundamentally strong companies well what what does that really mean um, take a look at the ratios see how they compare to uh, other companies like it or the S and P or the Nasdaq take a look at the balance sheet take a look at the revenue is it growing year over year and what what about the bottom line is the bottom line growing year over year um, th- this is high level surface level analysis nothing really too Nothing too crazy, um, but that's the kind of analysis that that we're talking about, right? It, the kind of analysis that takes, frankly, a couple of minutes. You can look at a couple of numbers and get a feel for the company, right? Um, do you want to be buying a company like 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 Peloton, where the where the the revenues are 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 they're, they're decreasing, they're, right? Or do you want to be buying a company that um, they're Revenues are not decreasing. And also think, do, do the eye test, right? Like think about the product. Is the product easy to copy? Are there lots of other competitors out there? Do they have a moat, right? DocuSign has competitors. Um, Adobe probably, Aaron, off the top of my head. Um, but they've got a lot of this market to themselves. I don't have any data to back that up, but I'm just like going off of, Bending his own experience and like what 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 we use and what other people that we interact with use. We all every we all use DocuSign, um, as opposed to uh, Peloton. They're competing with Nautilus. They're competing with gyms. They're competing with uh, dozens of other. It's an exercise bike, right? How easy is the com- is the service to to copy Zoom, right? Dealing with competition from Cisco. Dealing with competition. From Microsoft, um, so like those are the kind of questions that you should ask yourself when you're looking at buying the dip in a high growth. So here, here's what I think is interesting because yeah, I, I'm willing to pay more of a premium on a company like DocuSign or like Asana that I think has a better chance uh, of really compounding its revenue, making a lot more money um, in the next three years than it does today. But this is what I think is crazy right now with how, you know, I understand the valuations got a little out of hand. Uh, but if mm-hmm. you take into account how cheap money was to borrow, it really it, it makes it a lot more reasonable. A lot of the valuations of what we saw at some of the tech companies when, when the markets were kind of at all time highs. But right now, after this drawdown, I mean, Google's P.E. is 25. Let's put that into perspective. Google's P.E. is 25. Yeah. Let's look at Coca-Cola. Dude, that's a value. Let's Holy look at Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is that. 29. So what this is saying is that the market right now is saying that it's going to take 29 years, essentially, if Coke maintains its current revenue and everything to, to make your money back. And Google, 25. It's essentially saying it's expecting Coke to grow more, to compound its revenue more than Google, which is just insane to me. If I'm going to bet on Google or Coca-Cola to be making 
uh, more money in three years than it's, than it's doing right now, it's easy. That's an easy choice, and it's Google. Um, so the fact that Google's PE is down below 30, uh, Microsoft, I, you know, I, I mentioned that with David Green, down to 33. Microsoft's is currently lower than Costco's. I don't know. I mean, we're going to see But it. Costco's has also come up a lot, so... I, um... But either I, way, I mean, Costco's is a value. A Costco is a, a supposed to be a value stock that's got a higher uh, it, PE. It's than, supposed to be. I don't know if it still is, but right. Yeah, but I like the wait the, the Google Coke thing. So that's unbelievable. And I real now I know Coke has just made all time highs. Uh, yeah, I'd rather I'd rather own Google than own Coke. Straight up, right? Right. <laughs> I, mean, I think most people would. So those are so Asana, DocuSign are my two my two big plays right here, right here. Google, if you don't have a position in Google, um, I think now is a great time to start adding some. I mean, Google has probably the biggest moat in the world in terms of what Google, it what Google does. No one they own the internet. No one else. I mean, yeah, Amazon. You could argue, you know, I guess guess just just from a cloud computing competition like amazon microsoft maybe but google really is, is very uh differentiated in what it does the services that it provides not going anywhere doesn't need to be said um does not need to be said you know so so google right now is a, a good buy yeah, yeah i'm for that I, I, i'm about that on that note though since we're looking at google can we just look at uh let me pull up my pro let me just look at the uh the other fangs uh, real fast. So we've got we got uh, Microsoft, which we talked about today. They they um, uh, what do the ratios say? PE a little a little more than Google's thirty two. Um, but that's come down dramatically. And again, it's Microsoft. It's a cash machine. Um, okay, so we got a thirty two PE on Microsoft forward PE price to sales of uh twelve, which again seems low for a technology company. Oh my god. Uh- what Facebook's price to sales is eight. Apple, Facebook freaks me out though for other reasons that have nothing to do with the valuation. Um, yeah, Apple's price to sales seven and a half. Uh, what, what am I on? I'm on. What, this is Apple. Apple price Ford P of twenty eight and a price to sales. Man, that's reasonable. People, whenever Apple goes down, people always forget that Apple is the most valuable company in the world for a reason. For a reason. Let's just do Amazon quickly here, and then we'll bring on Robert Ray. Um, Amazon's a little bit, a little bit more expensive, right? It's got that forty p, forty p of forty five. It's a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I honestly, I think I'd rather buy Google, Apple here than than Amazon. Um, let's just have some fun with charts for a minute. Let's just, let's just, uh, oh come on, let's just compare them. You said Google, Amazon, and what Microsoft? I would rather buy those three over Amazon right now. Google, Facebook, Apple. Facebook. All right, let's compare. The thing is that they do <laughs> they do all trade together. More uh, no, actually I guess not. I'm this is just arbitrarily the time frame I picked. I, I wasn't trying to make a point by going back to last May, but let's just go off this chart for a second. You can see that Microsoft and Google have been the best performers uh of this group. Look at Amazon. Wow. Down 14% since May of last year. Let's just zoom in. Again, you can make this chart say whatever you want if you play with the time horizon, right? Um, just, just taking a gander, just to see how things, how the prices change. Look at Microsoft. Look at Google. 
Yeah, Amazon has been the laggard this entire time. Very interesting. Facebook I wouldn't own because it freaks me out for like the antitrust stuff. I'm like, like a little bit more concerned about them than I would be about everyone else. But Google, Microsoft, there are many, many worse stocks to buy than those two. That's the point here I think we're trying to make. Uh, yeah, and there's, yeah, Jay Rice has a great point in the chat. Um, Star Smoke, there are much, there are far worse things you could do with your money than buy the technology ETF. I'm not saying buy it, but there are worse things to do with that. There are, I've heard far worse ideas on this show from myself and Aaron and others. What's my worst idea you've heard on this show? Um, I don't remember. You don't have to say. I don't even remember. I've had some bad ideas as well. We all have bad ideas. Um, Let me just catch up on the chat and see if I missed anything. Uh, And we didn't include NVIDIA in this conversation. Oh, my God. Um, I I sold some of my NVIDIA in my... uh, You know what was so funny? So yesterday, um, like right right before we started the show, at like 11.30 a.m. Eastern, the markets were down about three and a half four percent yep and i was looking at my roth ira which i don't check all that often the last time i checked That's it good, about, good on you man the don't. last time i checked it a month ago was about it was up about 20 percent um from the previous january when i opened it so it, it's been around for about a year i was up 20 percent, which was uh, actually a little less than the market like if i had just bought s&p five mm-hmm. spy i would have okay. been like 27 percent. anyway neither here nor there i checked it for the first time in a while yesterday it was down from the last January, oh, Jesus, um, because Nvidia and Apple ha- had been down, you know, like twelve percent over the last. It wasn't down; it was like barely in the red, pretty flat. I trimmed some of my Nvidia position because I was like, "Shoot, I'm still up like eighty percent on my position on this. I-, I I can't just like keep holding everything until it, it keeps going down, like whatever." Well, you can. I can't. I trimmed you my position. I I knew in the back of my head I was like, "I'm gonna regret this. Like Nvidia is gonna be higher, whatever." Then of course the markets rally. Nvidia finishes in the green. And then, like, the first thing that I see last night was a report from, I forget if it was from, like, Bloomberg or whatever, but it was, like, trade-off largely induced by retail sellers. And I was like, yep, that, that was me. Mm-mm. I, I saw what you're referring to as well. That was an article from Bloomberg citing a note from a strategist at J.P. Morgan. As soon as I saw that, I was immediately skeptical um, because – I'm not sure how you measure that. You can go look at order size, but you'd have to go look at the time and sales for how many stocks to to, to I, I there was I, I believe there was no there, there was, was no explanation in that article where that data came from. It came from JP Morgan, but beyond that, that's all we know. Where did JP Morgan get that data? It it didn't say. So I, I'm highly skeptical of that claim. That yesterday's sell-off was a retail was was retail traders panicking before before the rally. I'm, All right, I'm gonna. I didn't look into. I I pulled the classic. I uh, just read the headline. Yeah. So I saw, and this is what we talked about the other day. Just because it's from a reputable outlet doesn't mean you shouldn't then verify the sources within that article. Um, but I'll look into that more. But uh, let's go ahead and bring Robert Roy on the show. Robert Roy from Wealth Builders HQ joins us every other 
Tuesday now? Is it every other? Uh, every he'll be on next week, starting every other Tuesday. Every so Tuesday. This week, next week, and then every other from there on out. We'll play it by ear. Let's give Robert a special intro. We, we don't give him a special intro hardly enough. Oh, there he is. <laughs> How we doing, guys? What's up, Rob? How's everything? Uh... Well, I'm confused. Why? Uh, why? We go up, we go down, we go up, we oh. go down. <laughs> I don't I know what to make of it. I was talking to you from. Um, I'm, I don't know what to make of anything here. Listen, it, it's, this is what we need to have happen. Bottom line, we need this kind of shakiness, craziness. We need capitulation kicking in. The only way we're going to get through this kind of up-down that we have is we need the strong down. We need the bear market. We need a little bit of suffering. We need all the looky-loos who throw their hands up and say, I quit, uncle, that's it, I'm done, and walk away. And then and only then are we going to see us start to climb, and then we got the opportunity for that nice gain. But we can't have these 1,000-point down and up days. That doesn't help us any. It just doesn't help at all. It just makes it very difficult for trading when you're bearish in the morning and bullish in the afternoon by that kind of move. It's tough. It is tough. Earlier, we, we had a, a former New York Stock Exchange trader say you have to be a magician to be able to trade in this market. I mean, it's, it's, there's no, uh, you know, I guess with that said, we, we've been in kind of a overall downtrend the past like two weeks. So if every time you've kind of sold the rip, you're probably in good, good shape right now. But outside of that, I don't know any strategies that seem to be working uh, on a day in, day out basis. So it's just it's day trading, and that's what it really comes down to. It's shortening up the time frame, bringing it down to a, a day trading level, and not holding for too long overnight. And I heard you mention before IRA strategies. I can tell you the best IRA strategy there ever will be to trade, um, and it's just it crushes it if you do it right. And if the market crashes, you'll do pretty good. Yep. Um, all right. What stocks are you watching right now, Rob? So uh, right now we're looking at uh, Alibaba. So let me go ahead and bring my charts up. Yep, I'll get them pulled up. So we've got Alibaba as one. We've got a nice fib drawn on Alibaba. Right now it's uh, down $1.85 on the day or so. Uh, I'd love to see it make it back up to this fib line first, which is 123.15. And fail off there. Keep in mind, there's earnings coming up, but we're going to day trade it. That's all I'm looking to do. We've got the opportunity. Uh, we can see this move in a two-day period, about $13 or so. So 15. we can make this entire move in two days, right? But I'm going to day trade it. If we can push up and hit into that 123 and roll over, I'll look at a bearish entry uh, with buying a put. And there'll be this week's puts that we're going to be looking to buy. Right. So um, overall, I like it a lot on Alibaba. Yeah. So, I mean, are you talking about just for a, a swing trade? Like, what's your price target on the upside? Because I like Baba right here, too, but I'm looking at it more on, on a long term investment. Oh, no. I'm looking at it at short term. I'm looking for it to move up to that level and then drop. Okay, I want to see it go to 123 and fail, and we're going to buy put options on it. Oh, okay. So you're not playing on the upside. You're waiting for it to get up there, and then you're going to play it on the downside? I'm not, yeah, I'm not playing anything on the upside right now per se, unless it, again, there may be newsy items that I will, but overall, like what did we do today? We did American Express on the upside today with a spread, uh, which were up 
about 40 cents right now on that spread, right? And I needed to be up 40 bucks. I needed 200 bucks to do it. So it's about 20% rate of return for the day. Not too shabby. All right. So no, I'm not looking at anything. You know, I track 20 stocks day in and day out. Every day I assign them a bias. There are five different biases. There's bullish, bullish neutral. There's neutral, bearish and bearish neutral. So you have five biases. Okay. Of those five biases, normally you'll get a mix between all the stocks. You'll have some of each. Uh, when I did this on Sunday for Monday, when I did the update over the weekend, 100% were all bearish. The same bias, all D, you know, bearish was the bias on there. So we're, we're strong. It's, it's strong bull. Why, I mean, bear, why fight that, that the downside move in the markets and try to trade the upside? Yeah, and the other benefit you get by playing this way is that, you know, if you buy puts on a on a rip, right? Baba rips up to 123, you buy the puts. It, when it drops, if the overall market is dropping too, the VIX is going to be increasing, uh, which will then make your contracts worth even more. Correct. The, the volatility index kicks in there. It artificially inflates the price. And then you deal with something that's called a volatility flip. As the market's moving up, the call options are increasing in value. And overvalue as well. But now once you get to that resistance and roll over, the market makers flip that volatility around to puts. You can see a $6 put turn into seven, seven and a half dollars with a 25 cent move on the stock price. Uh, just in that small drop because it hit a key level, that resistance level, and finally gave way and has failed. And you're seeing the VIX uh, increase value exponentially. Got it. All right, so any other setups you're, you're seeing right now that you like outside of Bob? I'm also going to ask the chat if you guys got any tickers, any stocks you're watching today. Go ahead and drop them in the chat. Uh, if we have time, we'll, we'll, we'll bring them up with Rob, get his take on them, pull up the charts, all that jazz. Facebook is the next one, right? They had a great bounce yesterday off this 300 level, break the 300, retest and fail, and we're looking at about 292 as our next downside target. So I don't, I, the moving average is a little far away from me. So if I were grading this, it, I would give it a B uh, a grade. It's still a good setup, but I would prefer that eight moving average to be there. But because of such a massive move we've seen in the last couple of days, it, it's not going to be very common that that eight's hanging around where the, the price is sitting at right now. So get under the 300, retest the 300, fail off the 300, and 292 is your target. It's a good setup. And if you take it off of the 300 and you're wrong and it goes up, I minimize my risk greatly because I took it at a key level. I took it at a resistance level. So if it starts to drop and it pops up, I've got a couple of dollars of risk, unlike trying to take it you know, somewhere in the middle here where my stop is still going to be up above that 317 level if I were up here. So got Facebook it. is definitely another one. I'm um, seeing in the chat, we've got uh, Tesla, of course. Well, they've got earnings coming up, right? So, yeah, Thursday, I believe. So we got to be very careful with uh, with them. You can still day trade them, uh, but we want to be careful with them. So where are we at? Uh, we're sitting at 908. If you see my fib lines here, Aaron, we've got 876 and 946, right? So those two levels, that's the key levels I'm looking for. We're in between right now. So I go back to position number one in the chair. I'm sitting back here like this, and I'm going to watch it. The only thing I would do differently on a uh, Tesla is I would look at pivot points for a potential intraday setup. But even today, look at its candle. It's tiny. It's in the middle. Bulls and bears really don't know what to, to do with it right now, and it's just hanging out. So for me, I would pass. Got it. 
All right. Yeah, and, and we've got a couple big companies reporting this week. We have Microsoft after the close today. I believe Apple yep. tomorrow. Um, Amazon's coming up, right? I believe so. Or sorry, Apple's actually on Thursday, I believe, with Tesla. Uh, let's Amazon check. next week. Yeah, I don't have my candidates in front of me. My uh, Amazon's not. Yeah, Amazon's not till next week. But next week. Uh, let's take a look at Microsoft. This is one we were looking at earlier today. All right. So on Mr. Softy, I mean, look at that. Look at that move yesterday inside of that level. We've completely violated the major components of the FIB. We broke down through the 764. We got down near the 882, which would be about where my mouse is now, the horizontal line. And actually, let me just add that in. Let's put an 882 level in. We don't normally use that until we get there. It's a we're called a FIBIT. So um, now what are we looking at? 287, break below, hit, and fail is the entry. But their earnings are, uh, is it tonight? Uh, Microsoft, yep, tonight. Okay, so the way to trade Microsoft is to not trade Microsoft. And, and here's what I mean by that, Aaron. What you should be looking at tonight is the NQ, which is the futures of the NASDAQ. Watch as Microsoft's announcement comes out and the NQ will move. You can play this announcement in the post-market by trading the futures versus trying to trade the option or the stock itself. I'll wait till the pieces fall tomorrow and I'll pick it up tomorrow. There you go. Yeah, I mean, I... I, I... Yeah, it's always that's always a, a safer way to do it, right? Wait till after the earnings. We're gonna know more about uh, what Microsoft's outlook is for the next quarter, what what their guidance looks like, all of that. Absolutely. And on top of that, the way you talked about VIX right in the beginning of the show today with uh, with me, you're gonna have the same volatility flip once the earnings are out. What compelling reason is there for the stock to go? Period, up or down. The earnings is the compelling reason. Once that earnings are gone. You could see complete deflation of that option, which is automatically inflated as we get into the uh, earnings season. Got it. Um, do you want? To, we, we I don't think we've done this yet, or at least since you've been on, Rob. Uh, can we just pull up the spy chart real quick and take a look at the overall markets and see kind of what our fib levels are saying there? Yeah, absolutely. So we've violated on this zero line yesterday, on the one line yesterday. So tonight, uh, I have a training that I do. Um, each Tuesday night, I will redraw these for my team, for my students. Uh, we'll kind of do it here. And let's redraw at this point, And you guys can see what it's going to be. And I'll put these on the, because uh, I'm using a different computer, but I'll put them on the same way. So we've got 421 and 433. That's 12 points, 16. All right, we don't need a fibbit in there. Let's just see down here, 407. That gives me 16 points. No. All right, so we're good. So I don't need to do to add any additional lines in there. So right now, look at yesterday. And I drew this off of because of yesterday's move. Look at what happened yesterday. Right, We pushed all the way down to that 420 and we came back up and closed near that 236. Today, we opened up right at the 236. If you don't know what 236 represents, write it down. It means hesitation. Hesitation. It pushed up to the 236 and failed. Aaron, that's my trade. That's where I entered the trade is right there. As we pushed up into that level, let me zoom in on it. As we pushed up in here, right, we, we opened here, right? We opened here, we ran up, we failed. If that failure brought us into a retest and a drop, that would be the entry for me right there off of that level. Entry like you're, you're buying down there? 
So I, so when I talk entry, my bad, I, I need to clarify it as I am just so accustomed to talking options and, and expecting that the person I'm talking to can read my mind, you know, like this Vulcan mind thing, uh, we'd be buying put options on the SPY. Okay. So essentially any bounce right now, you're looking to buy, uh, well, not any bounce, but if the bounce hits your levels, you're looking to buy, buy puts on those. Correct. Correct. Again, there's Got very it. little that we have uh, calls on any kind of call options or bearish trade on. We've got an Adobe trade that we entered at 5.33, and our, we took two exits so far, and our last exit was at 4.88. That's a $45 move so far on Adobe, right? It's one of yeah, the I few mean, swing was, trades we've done. One of the few stocks yesterday that looked good even in the morning. I mean, it was it was performing well yesterday all day. It wasn't one of those that was down 4% and then came back. Right. But as a trader, I still see, look, if you look at our moving averages down, right, we've got the eight, which is my pink line is on the bottom. The green is in the middle. That's the 21. And the brown is the 55. These are all fib levels, right? Fibonacci levels. And you could see that the moving averages were still spreading out between the 21 and 55, tightening a little bit on the eight and 21. But overall, we're pushing down. So what's happening? Our tops are coming down. Our bottoms are holding on a fib line and a hundred point level, that 500 point level. So what do we have there? We have a descending triangle setting up in there right now, right? Between the moving averages and the fib line with a confluence of the hundred point level, we've got a descending triangle. We broke it yesterday, right? But we've got a nice opportunity to break to the downside, right? And there's that 485 we could hit all over again. And from there, we're looking at 453 is our next downside target. Got it. Um, anything else on the watch list right now? Uh, Home Depot. So just as an FYI, every one of these I'm looking bearish, right? Look at Home Depot. We came down yesterday. We pulled back up. Look at today. And we pushed right into the fib line and we failed. There's the opportunity for entry right there. Uh, so we missed it this morning. If it happens again tomorrow, we get that rollover off of that 361 level. We've got 344 as our downside target on Home Depot. Plenty of opportunity. Earnings are way out. So we've got plenty of opportunity here uh, on a Home Depot. So I like them a lot. Uh, maybe this will lower price on lumber <laughs> with as much wood as I buy there. Uh, uh, for sure. I wouldn't mind seeing prices go down. Yeah, um, I know one of the stocks I'm looking. I mean, Lowe's and Home Depot tend to trade pretty similarly, but I, I, I was looking at Lowe's for for 2022 definitely. Um, let me just catch up with the chat real quick. Hertz Scrambler wants to look at Apple. All right, Apple. And the rain, rain, rain came down, down, down. Right. So we got earnings coming up shortly, as we talked about before. We've given everything back on our Fib. Uh, I'd like to, I don't want to redraw yet at this point. We don't have enough of a bounce for me to want to redraw yet. Let's see. So we're going to work off of old fib levels. So you see that breakthrough yesterday we had? Look where it came down to. You see the previous fib line right here? We got, not right there, but we got close to that level, which is our catalyst yesterday. Uh, with earnings coming out, guys, this will be the number one reason, the number one way that I trade the NQ is by trading Apple when the announcement comes out. The announcement will come out after the market closes. Uh, the futures are still open, so we could trade the futures on the announcement of Apple. And I'll sit back and see what it does after that. But its bias right now is bearish. Uh, moving averages are bearish. Everything is giving me a bearish uh, connotation. So could you find a day where it bounces and you can get a bullish trade today? You could, but 
I said this two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago here, 70 to 80% of all stocks move with the S&P 500. So let's trade the direction of the S&P 500. Go look at the advanced decliners and see what percentage are up and down each day compared to the S&P. Now, granted, if the S&P is up two, down three, you're going to be off on that, right? You, you may not hit it that to that weight. But for the most part, you get a decent move up or down. Most of your stocks will be moving in that direction. So I'll, I'll wait for a better uh, move off of here. There you go. There you have it. Um, let's check in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everything is going to be pretty similar right now. We're looking for, for puts to buy on any bounces because that's the overall trend, right? Right. United Healthcare, UNH, right? Same scenario. We're kind of in the middle right now. Pull back up to the 456 and fail. And 446 is my next target. Uh, I mean, my system is simple. Listen, guys, people say you must have been really smart in school. Guys, I was a C student. Uh, I, I couldn't work for other people because I didn't like having a boss. Right. Hated it. Started my own company. And, you know, that, that was the only, my own business. That was the only way that I was able to survive because working with someone else didn't work for me. But I'm not a brainiac. I hire smart people that are much better than I am at things that I don't need, that I don't know. When it comes to trading the market, I know if you will just follow a very simple set of rules, you've got the best opportunity to be successful. Don't overcomplicate this with 37 technical indicators and you buy these black boxes that people create. You know, those black boxes work for six months and then they're done, right? This system works if you'll follow it. If I don't like what it's saying to me, I will not force the trade. It makes no sense for me to jump in Enforce it. Uh, I'm not going to do it. There you have it. Um, let's see. Any other good? United Healthcare. Uh, we started looking at that. Uh, oh no, we did. Yeah, let's uh, look at that. We've got United Healthcare. That, that we did that one. So pull the 456, drop to 446. Uh, Chipotle. Oh, I don't want CMG. CMG. Yep, I just. Hit the C before I hit the S to bring up my symbol grid. So Chipotle, again, earnings coming up, but look at, just look at today, guys. I mean, I, I can't explain it any better, right? If we look at today, let's go look at 1400 on, let's go look intraday at trade station at 1400. Come on, all right, MG. All right, let's go ahead and snap a horizontal line at 1400. Close enough, 1399.90. You guys able to see that at home? I sure hope so. We yep, gapped we down got on the we gapped down on the open. We ran up and closed at the fib level, and we failed. That right there, Aaron, was your entry. And in 10 minutes, you go from 1400 down to 1375 or so in 10 minutes. Right? Yeah. That's how powerful these fib levels are. If you will just wait for the right setup, you've got the best opportunity. Guys, this That's January why... is. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I love these fib levels. Like they bounce off of them so often, hit, hit them. I mean, there are a million different strategies, like you said, Rob, that people will try to teach you, try to sell you. You got to find something that's simple, repeatable, that, that really allows you to create a system that works for yourself. Right. Shelly, I love your comment there. Why is Rob shouting at me? <laughs> I get it. It's like 
the preacher at church, right? He's talking right at you. It's it's a lot of a lot of work to get the dedication and the commitment of being able to do this. But once you get it down, guys, it's second nature. It's hitting into it. That's all it is. Do I have trades go against me all the time? Absolutely all the time. But this year we've crushed it. We're up a couple hundred percent in the first three weeks in January in one of our accounts and one of our uh, wow. tools that we use, our power option plays. And where can folks find, find more from you? Guys, if you go to tradinglikeaboss.com, uh, I don't know if we've got it open here. I came in late. Trading so. like a boss. Trading like a boss. You want to know how I use fibs, guys? All of these trainings are free, by the way. Okay? Fibonacci's uh, Today's Power Indicators, a three-part training series. It's all free. Right? Uh, Trade with Rob. I send updates out every week of trades with one strategy, one very simple fib strategy called the zero-line breakout. Uh, Power Hours of free training we do every week on Zoom. Uh, we do it here on YouTube as well, but we do it every week on Zoom. Uh, and it's an hour of nothing more than candidates. We look at the markets. We look at the candidates. We look at what's going on, the Fed, all that stuff uh, as the analysis, right? So we're, we, we do extremely well with it. All righty. Tradinglikeaboss.com. I'm going to go ahead and post that link in the chat. Post it. Uh, Rob, post it. Post it. <laughs> look forward to having you on next week. Till then, happy trading. Excellent. Hey, guys, take care. Have a good one. Right. You as well. All right. Uh, you know, we have not done today is we have not done a crypto update. Yeah, should you are we, correct. Should we do a quick crypto update? Look at the heat map. I'm watching Bitcoin. I mean, I'm always watching Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, let's look at the heat map. Right. I honestly, I don't know what it'll look like right now. Well, My guess is a mixed bag. Some red, some green. That's a fine. Do you want to add that this heat map is based on a rolling 24-hour uh, um, time frame? So it's not going to be necessarily the same as what you would see on, on a given chart. But we got mostly green. Aaron, you there were we you, you were kind of right. I, I was on it. I was expecting more red. There we go. Look at that. BTC up 5%. In, same with Ethereum, up 5% in the last 24 hours. Um what jumps out to me here? Cardano lagging. Look at Solana. You'll love to see it. Let's get it back above 100, Solana. You can do it. I know you can. Um, Terra is your laggard. Down 16% in the last week, 36% in the last month, 2% in the last day. Yeah. Do, uh, do we have a place we can check the live volume of Bitcoin being traded, bought, sold? Uh we would have to look at each individual exchange. Does someone know? Shelly, that sounds like something you'd know. How do I check the relative volume of Bitcoin? Because I'd assume it's up right now, the relative volume. Um, Let me just Google. Can we look at, we could look at like the futures. No, let's not do, let's not do the futures. Um. I don't know. You have to look at coin. You can go maybe coin mark. No, no. Coin market cap has that information. Come on. I, I'm not thinking. Coin market cap has that information. Can you tell us, Aaron? Oh, Shelly said in the chart. That's right. Probably if I pull it up on like trading view, we can just look at the volume bar. Let's see. How do I get it to pop up? I don't see the uh, volume bar on TradingView looking at it. Go to TradingView for chart. 
Uh, launch full chart view. No, all right, now I see it. All right, never mind. Volume today is not looking that great. Yesterday, pretty big volume bar. Um, we had that kind of flash crash, flash crash in De in December mm -hmm. that brought us down. Um, I'm seeing the candle right at like 42, and a big volume bar that day. I was expecting more people going out there and buying Bitcoin today. I mean, they are. <laughs> the 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 buy the dip is, has happened here. Um, part of me, I'm I'm having a really hard time getting a feel for like the mood out there. I think to your point about people wanting to come buy the dip, I think people are spooked. I don't have any rhyme or reason for why I think that. I just feel like. Yeah, I saw some big influencers post about how they sold everything, and I I, I think that's a bad idea, <laughs> to be clear. Um, I'm having a hard time gauging the mood out there, whether it's in crypto or stocks. Thank you, Tim. I'd appre I appreciate that. Um, thank you, Roy. For uh, Roy says go to trading view. We can do that as well. Um, anyway, here's your heat map for the day in crypto. And if you want some free Bitcoin, check out the Voyager app. All you got to do is create an account, fund your account with 100 bucks, make a trade, use the offer code Zing, and they will send you some free BTC. Check it out right there. Um, keeping an eye on the market as we are continuing to do that throughout the day here. Let's bring up my Benzinga Pro. I'm going to get the screen shared. I'm going to bring up my watch list. I'm going to look at what we're doing. Let's go to the watch list. Bring it up on the screen. There's the pro. Here's the watch list. Market. Yep. Still firmly in the red. Let's go look at some individual individual things here very quickly, and then we'll bring on Christian Fahmhurst to get his thoughts on what's going on here. So, um, hey, at least today, yeah, we're down, but you know what else we are? We're, like, calm. It's orderly. That, that That's the key word. That's what they say on the floor, right? It's orderly. It's orderly selling. Yesterday was not orderly at all. Um, so, you know, we've been quiet since the open. That That's a gauge here. Yes, we're down, but we're not. No one's freaking out. Spy, kind of the same thing. Russell is my um, indicator for uh, fear other than the VIX. Um, Russell, same thing, quiet. Right, just consolidating from the open. You can see that just by looking at that that, that guy right there. So, so, what are the odds you think we close in the green today? Um. Well, what would that take? So, for the Russell, wait. Before I answer that, um, I don't actually know what this number is referring to. Is this referring to the open or the cl or yesterday's close? We're down four points. That would that that's referring to what was today's open. So that's referring to today's open one ninety. No, it's referring to the close because we closed at two hundred one. All right. So, so you you asked me like how do I feel about the Russell closing at two hundred one here? Because uh, that's yesterday's close. That would that would mean we're flat. Um. Yeah. After yesterday, anything is possible. For right. sure. That's what I'm saying. Because if you would have asked me yesterday at this time, are we going to close in the green? I would have said, no way, Jose. Right. Um, but but uh, let me say this. If we don't see a rally before before 
3.30, then that ain't coming today. That's my hot take. I don't, know how, I don't even know how hot that is. If you don't see a rally before 3.30, it ain't coming. Because look at yesterday. The bottom came actually while we were on this show. The bottom came for the day came like 12.30, 12.45. So don't expect the end of and the day. And then we can also always check in on how Bitcoin's doing as kind of a leading indicator for the rest of the it's true. Uh, markets. It's true. And it, Bitcoin's doing all right right now. So right now, Bitcoin's at around 37,300. 373, we'll call it flat. Okay, let's call it that. If we get up to like 38,000 on Bitcoin, so up another 700 bucks, that's when I think we'll, we'll, we'll really see some, uh, some rallies out there. Let's bring on our next guest and get his thoughts on yesterday, get his thoughts on today. Christian Fromhertz, he runs the Tribeca Trade Group. He's on Twitter, at C. Fromhertz. He's an amazing, amazing follow. And you know what? Let's give Christian the special intro, too. Everyone gets the special intro, today. see from hurts what's up man hey what's going on i didn't know i was going to be getting a special intro had i known i don't know what i would have done but <laughs> thank well, you've you for got the, the special intro you, you've got the wall street uh, bro vest game going on today uh, yeah i got that yeah uh, well you know after yesterday yeah you got to kind of change it up a little bit and, uh, with the vest well it's a little cold here in new york city so i it's not a fashion statement mm. um <laughs> it's a little cold so got it Got it. Um, I would How are you love guys to doing your, today? Um, we're, we're doing okay. We're doing okay. I just want to start with Yezakin up to yesterday here. If we can yep. rewind the clock back. Um, tell us about your day. Tell us about your morning. Tell us how you approached all that yesterday. And you can share your screen if you want. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I did share a nice picture of um, a movie that probably you don't know of, but it was uh, a popular movie back in the day. Chevy Chase was popular. And, uh, it was, uh, it, it was, it's one of my favorite, like eighties movies and it's uh spies like us and a okay. picture of them. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've not seen it, I, but I'll ha I'll have, you know, I've seen a lot of old movies. Like I've seen the original matrix. <laughs> That's funny. Anyway, the original uh, matrix. That's what you, anyway, <laughs> what was the, uh, uh, here, I'll bring it. All right, let me share my screen. Let me, let yeah. me share my screen and then yeah. we'll get going here. Uh, share screen, share screen. I've seen all the old movies. I've seen, uh, um, usual suspects, old movie. I've seen gladiator, old movie. Anyway. That's not an old con. <laughs> uh okay so yeah, I mean, so, yeah so this so this is what yesterday uh kind of felt like so this is uh yeah. spies like us and you know by the end of the day uh i think that you know um now it was nice the way that we recovered but yes i'll stop joking around and um but yes that's kind of what it felt like and sometimes when we have days where the vix really kind of shoots up like it did you know no problem like just going you know, you started to look yesterday in the VIX. Might as well bring that chart up. Yeah. Uh, but when you start, like, just going from handle to handle where it's like, oh, geez, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. And you just kind of like, you know, geez, where where is this going to? And, and you know, it's scary when you're kind of in the moment, you know, to say, oh, geez, 34, 35. That, you know, we finally topped out at like around a 38. But 
I think as well, like a lot of people were starting to think like that kind of needed to happen. You know, everybody started to use, I heard like all over the place, the word, the C word capitulation, right? People were kind of looking for a capitulation in terms of, Hey, we finally, like we've been moving down now for several days and, um, it, you know, it did feel that way yesterday. So you just kind of had to go with, with it. And, you know, it was, I, I made a statement yesterday in, in my trading room just saying, hey, if you made a few mistakes or if, you know, things didn't work exactly the way that you wanted them to yesterday, I wouldn't yeah. really worry about that. When the VIX is flying like that, you know, like I stopped out of a couple trades yesterday and, awesome. you know, you know, in the morning and then just to see the market come back, I'm like, you know, let me just get out of the way and see where this thing wants to go. And and then you can kind of, um, you know, and then you can counter pretty decently, but yeah, I heard you guys talking about the reversal time, which was around 1220 kind of, you know, kind of funny because the European market closed, not that they had anything to do with the volatility, but I was really waiting to see if we could kind of build off of what we saw in the first hour because it was lunchtime and lunchtime the it's the slowest volume of the day. Um, and the volume was was huge, which I'm sure that you guys talked about as well. Um, just the volume was ginormous yesterday. And you could look at this across products. Like I have right now, this is S&P futures up and you could see the huge volume. But if you bring up the ETFs, you know, when you combine the futures with the ETFs, the volume was just out of control. Um, well, I saw a stat that Friday was the largest volume day in the queues in uh, at least a decade, and a lot of that was options expiration driven. But still, though, I mean, it's not all. It's not every day you can say that. Still, still a bigger day yesterday. I mean, it, it and yesterday dwarfed Friday's activity. Oh shoot, you're right. <laughs> and then holy and then cow. At, yeah, and then, and then look <laughs> at the volume from. You know, I, I've been not that I want to kind of compare what happened to us in in February, March of 2020, but there are some similarities. And yeah, I mean, look at the volume compared. That was much higher than what we experienced. So, uh, you know, what I try to say to people, too, is sometimes, you know, we, we kind of lost a little bit of muscle memory from this happening back here. And if you haven't, if you didn't experience what happened in, in the beginning of March of 2020, uh, or, or sorry, the beginning of the year, this kind of, you know, you could start to kind of compare this now, this whoosh that we saw over the last week. I mean, here's the move that we saw back then, and it's not all that different. Yeah. Um, this is a really good time, I think, um, with with fear a little elevated, with some unknowns about the Fed and inflation and yeah. a lot of things beaten out. This is a really good time to, like, take stock and – Really, like, try like us uh, take a step back and like, what are your what are your goals? What are you trying to do? Um, clearly, the it's not going to be as easy. I mean, it hasn't been as easy as it was. Basically, we had a gift from April of twenty to February. Some respects even later, the uh, February twenty. We'll call it a year. We'll call it April to April, just to make it easy. Um, that was a freaking gift. I mean, it yeah. was so easy. You literally throw a dart at the board. Pick a stock. It doesn't matter. It was up, right? That that's true. I mean, I think when when you when you say it now, that was the case. But you have to remember too. Back in here, uh, let's sorry. Let me bring up where's my daily yeah. chart. Back in here, I remember. You know, one of the one of the things that sorry, I think or swim likes to jump around. Uh, but I remember when we started to kind of build here, right, and move up. 
everybody oh. was talking oh. about. It was, it was it was not it didn't look obvious <laughs> and, and everybody was talking about a retest oh you got yeah, oh yeah oh for sure definitely right. definitely i i i spent the entirety of april may and june being like no 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 <laughs> I, I think i remember that because i listened nope. to your show in the morning nope. this doesn't make any sense nope yeah and and you were pretty good with with I think with the whole scenario you you knew your time frame I remember and you were saying well this is a buying opportunity for me you know I'm a young guy you barely yeah. even remember the first Matrix you probably never <laughs> even heard of Jaws or any of what, those what, movies so you know. um no no I I remember saying like something I'll never forget is like the the day the last day before Benzinga went went remote. This is like March 2020. Right. And it was like the end of the day. Everyone's like, oh, we're packing up our stuff. We're going to work remote on Monday. And um, I remember like saying out loud to no one in particular, like this is going to be an epic, epic buying opportunity whenever, whenever this whole thing shakes out. Now, right. I didn't know that the buying was going to happen like a week later. You know what sure. I mean? Because that's basically what happened. It was a week later. Um, it was such a fast pitch. It was basically impossible to swing at. If you're well, swinging at it, you, Frank, congratulations to you. You got lucky. The rest of us were caught chasing a little bit after the fact. Um, but you're right. It's all about time horizons. That's what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, and, and the other thing, too, is we're also going through – at that time, we're going through things other than concentrating on the market, right? Yeah, we were in no lockdown, and we're, and we're trying to figure out, like, you know, how that's going to affect us, where we needed to be. So it's it's funny when, when these things kind of happen – and I traded through, you know, 2007, 2008, 2009 as, a, as an institutional trader, and – Yep. What happened then, by the time that the bottom kind of revealed itself, and that wasn't for probably a couple months later, no one really wanted to buy the dip because they were worried about their job were, security. You didn't know if you were going to have a job. you know. So, yep. so you didn't really want to use your disposable income to be like, hey, I'm buying the dip. you know, Because people That's were at you know, in my job at the time, I worked for a big bank on a trading floor and there was rounds of layoffs every couple of weeks. You know, we were just seeing, you know, just uh, groups and not even your own firm, but other firms, you know, people just being decimated in terms of being laid off. So it was like, you're going to buy the dip when you already have so much career, you know, that's a great point. So this is tough, you know, it's a tough time and you kind of look at what's going on now and, you know, every one of these situations is a little bit different, but, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, the, with what was happening, uh, you know, for the last couple of years is, is the, the fed was a big reason for that. So we've got this meeting tomorrow and, you know, before the fed went into their quiet period, we heard about, you know, the potential of all these rate hikes, and we're also hearing as they're in the quiet period or they've been in the quiet period for over a week now, we've also heard about all these different brokers come out and weigh in on how many. And then it almost seems like they want to outdo them, outdo one another. Well, I say six. Well, I say seven. So, <laughs> you know, I think part of that has caused what we've seen over the last week is just no one really when you hear about three rate hikes, you know, and going back from a few months ago. When there were no rate hikes, now it's three. Four. Oh no, it's four. No, oh, it's six. It's seven. So you know, I think that that kind of has an effect, and we've now experienced that, where it's been total risk off, and people saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to wait until I hear from Powell, and um, and see see what the story is." So yeah, 
So, so yeah, a couple of reactions to that. First, like, I, I lament when people say that the Mar- – and I've, I'm guilty of this as well. I'm, hip- I'm a hypocrite. But, like, when, when people say, oh, it's, like, so hard to call right now, it's always hard to call right now. Yep. It's never it's never obvious. Uh, it, that being said, that being it, said, it, there are – go ahead, go ahead. It's always easy hindsight. You know, hindsight right, right, 2020. Right. Then right, it, it seems right. obvious, right? But you're, sure, you're, sure, sure. you're right on, Spence. Sure. That being said, there are, there are degrees of unknowns – um, and the 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 eight thousand pound gorilla of what will the Fed do? Uh, how many hikes um, is is the eight thousand pound gorilla? I'm, I'm I brought up the screen here. This is the CME's Fed Watch tool. This is just a visual representation of what the Fed funds futures market is pricing in right now as far as rate hikes. Because you you can you can bet on the the Fed funds future uh, the Fed funds rate. You you can do that. Right. There there is a tool where you can bet on that. Um, I shouldn't say bet. I should say trade. But whatever. Um, there's no compliance here. Um, and this so this is what this, the the market is saying right now. Uh, just to give you tell you guys where we are. We are here, left hand column. It's where we are right now. Market saying 94% chance that as of tomorrow's meet or today and tomorrow's meeting, we remain there. Market is saying five and a half percent chance that tomorrow they announce a rate hike, a twenty-five basis point rate hike. Um, so the market is 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 pretty pretty convicted uh, on no hikes for tomorrow. Now fast forward a couple months. When's the next meeting? It's in March, mid March. Uh, market is pretty convinced we're going to have a rate hike in March um, of twenty-five basis points. Um, there, there. Some people are thinking we're going to have a a, th- a half a percent rate hike in March. There's a five percent chance of that happening. Um, well, well, this is, can I answer? Can I interrupt you just for a quick second? Yeah. So this this is uh, an excellent screen that you're bringing up because it also kind of it shows what the market is pricing in, right? Obviously, we hear about all different types of opinions on financial media about just as I said, like you know, the brokers coming out and saying, you know. Uh, how many right hikes. And and of course, you have all kinds of talking heads saying how many they think and so forth. But those are just opinions. This is mm-hmm. actually what the market is pricing in. And it gives you a sense of where the market is kind of positioned a little bit. And, yeah. you know, the fact that it's this is much different now than it was a couple months ago, where the the odds of a rate hike were not being priced in. So now that the, the market has kind of corrected and so forth, the market is now feeling that this is going to happen. And you could tell by these probabilities in what what's called Fed Fund Future. So a very important tool to use. And I think, you know, going into this event, um, you know, I think. I think it's much better to, to, to have this in the back of your mind that that's, um, the market has already adjusted. So we're looking for new information, right? So we know, you know there's what, uh, 88%, I think if I'm reading your chart correctly, there's an 88% chance that the Fed will move in March. So even yeah. if he says that yesterday, uh, tomorrow, not yesterday, mm-hmm. tomorrow, <laughs> that um, the market will be absorbing that and you might get what's called the you know, the buy the rumor, sell the news, or I guess in this, in this case, vice versa, the, the market, you know, might actually rally on the fact that the uncertainty of, we didn't know what he was going to say. Now we know, and it matches the expectations. And then we might get more of a continuation than, than what we're seeing uh, today 
which is basically chop. <laughs> part of, part of me thinks Christian, and as we say that the market is trying to make it higher a higher the day here. Um, yeah, uh, pro- and pro- I did. Go ahead. Yeah, I keep no, 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 off. no. I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I wanted to. Um, if you're done, I wanted to just uh, talk about like how I kind of handle uh, some of the the you know the expectations yeah. in terms of because not only this. I mean, this is what makes this this week so difficult. Is not only do we have that going on, which again would kind of cover enough of events for the week, but you have all these earnings reports. You got Microsoft reporting after the close today, and you've got you know everybody is also kind of concerned about. Um, are we starting to see a little bit of a slowdown? So there, there's enough things to worry about, right, uh, in regards to, to these events. What I try to do as a technical trader is just focus on levels and say, being that we're, we're dealing with so many unknowns right now, it's important to kind of say, okay, well, how am I going to trade this? How am I going to react? And I, I think, you know, drawing out some scenarios about what could happen with the Fed if they're a little bit more dovish or if they're a little bit more hawkish, what stocks are going to kind of move with that? Uh, and I always start with first just just looking at you know the overall market. And the three indices that I always look at, of course, are the, the S&P, the NASDAQ, uh, NASDAQ 100, and IWN. Uh, IWN and, and what I'm looking for, um, you know, this is just a five-minute chart. And I'm, I'm looking at um, the value area for the day, which is using volume at price, right? And that kind of comes up with a significant level for me. So I've been watching this 40. 4332 level. Um, okay. We were kind of just drifting lower, lower in the after hours market. Um, but yeah, if we can kind of hang up here, uh, you know, and and maybe float even higher would be great. But I think overall, what you're seeing is a bit is a bit of uh, an inside candle for for the majority of names. But the higher multiple names, you're clearly seeing more give back in those areas. So it kind of tells you how the market is positioning itself a little bit. But one of the things that I'm also watching is, you know, that move yesterday, and this this can be seen on the one hour chart that I'm looking at, even, you know, if you don't have the value areas and, and my particular studies on the charts, absolutely fine. You could use the moving averages just to tell you simply, are we trending up or are we trending, are we currently trending down? So what I've noticed, and, and this is like just a regular 50 day moving average, uh, the one that's in here. And I just see that we keep failing um, at this every time that we try to break this. So really what I want to see for this week is just a little bit more confirmation. We've got the bounce. I want to see us get out of this pattern of just making uh, lower highs, basically. And and having this having a moving average or two on your charts just kind of give you a sense of the trend. Because we've been hanging below here now for a while. So I, I would really like to see us get over this one that I've got highlighted as a starting point. And, and then at we're, least real fast, which moving yeah. averages do you use? Do you use the so, 50 and the 200? So I've got um, my own special <laughs> you know, ones, but uh, nice. I've got the 200 on my chart. So really this kind of comes into play in the daily chart, but you could, you could extend this forward like I am to the, uh, to the one hour chart or to other timeframes. But the 200 day moving average, that's the one that I've got highlighted here. I think that's most important. That's one that I also on the, on the daily chart that I want to see price get back above. Right. So, so that's a big one is the 200 day moving average. Then the other ones are really not in play right now on the daily chart because we're so far below them, but the 50 day moving average, uh, then I've got the, then for the shorter terms, I've got the 20, um, and that's an exponential moving average and a five. The reason why I've got those on my charts is because when we're trending, 
particularly the five day moving average is really good, right? You always tell, you always hear people say when, when we're trending in one direction, oh, we've gone too far. We've gone too far. And what helps me, you know, using those moving averages is to say, well, you may think that we've gone too far, but the market doesn't and the market's not breaking down. So um, when we're trending like this, like we did uh, back in October, um, the five-day moving average, what, what you'll see a lot of times when you've got a strong trend in action is the price will stay above the five-period moving average. Once you've got a change, um, you'll see price kind of duck below that five-period moving average. Um, and clearly that happened here. And if you notice where we are right now, you know we could speculate all we want on what's going to happen tomorrow. But we're still in that downtrend unless we see price get above that five-period moving average. So that that's really a good confirmation. And that this um, helped me a lot when we were going through this, right? Because this whole drop that we saw back in back in the beginning of 2020, you know, everybody kind of wanted to buy the dip at multiple places down this. But notice how price, you know, there's a little bit of a tricky period in here. But once we stayed, got below the five, back below the five period moving average, you could have wanted to buy the dip all you wanted to. But until this price started to get back above the five period moving average, which was right, you know, at the bottom, then yeah. we were, then we were onto something. So, but until, until that happens, you're, you're, you're catching what's called the, you know, a falling knife. You don't have any confirmation. Chris, um, uh, Christian, I would love for you to, to, to uh, let's get your thoughts on this. And I, I'm just going off of like my own feeling right now, which I know is never a good thing. You shouldn't feel, you shouldn't think you should just react, but like, I, it just seems like like last year there was an endless desire to buy the dip. Yep. Endless, endless desire to buy the dip. Um, in the last two-ish months or so, I just don't – like I'm just not seeing that same quick reflex. I, I, and, and I don't have anything to back that up other than the, what the chart is showing you, right? chart right. kind of says that. But like it's – I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, it's just a feeling, and like it's it, it's from being on Twitter all day, and like it, it's just like I don't know. Like, do you do you agree? You're you're free to not agree with that, but like I I would just like your thoughts on on that. It just seems like there is n no one is not everyone is as quick to just straight go by the dip, and maybe it's a result of the fact that for a lot of people that are in Arc stocks, for example, it's been a pretty bad. 11 months, frankly, um, and they're just exhausted. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I agree with that. And yeah, I mean, it, it really goes back to what, what you just said with what groups of stocks. Um, I, I think that, you know, of course, we're looking at the S&P, which has been held up much better than some of the high growth areas. And, you know, we don't have to use that particular one, but it's kind of just uniform within that group. If you want to look at, you know, for example, um, you know, not to pick on this ETF either, but this is also a, another big growth ETF, which is, um, this is the IBD 50, right? Which I know a lot of people are, are um, I, IBD yep. fans or investors, mm -hmm. business daily fans, yep. but this is not acted um, very well either. And they have a different philosophy of how they're adding to their positions and taking them out. They often kind of do the, uh, in my opinion, again, this is just my take, but ARC does a lot of, they, they keep buying the losers, which has not worked over the last year. What, what does IBD do? 
IBD does more, and I, I can't speak for them, of course. I'm just noticing how they okay. normally shuffle in and out of positions. But they they're seem to be kind of buying trends, right? And as soon as something breaks a trend, they will go ahead and um, and remove that from their from their 50 names that I believe are in here. So it's a, yeah. it's a different, different philosophy. They're, they're buying up trends, and they're selling names that start to kind of break down or that have broken down. Um, but they are still concentrated in the same arena of stocks, maybe not exactly the same, but they're, they're in growth. Right. And I think we would say that, um, arc is also in growth, maybe a different class of growth in innovation, but still in that category of growth. But yeah, I mean, I think that, um, the buying the dip has just for a while it worked for for so long every time that we got a, a decent dip in the market um even if you were you know not perfect in your buying the dip the market would bail you out and i think what's happened here is now different and i think that you have people that if they've been just blindly buying the dip even just in, in the s p over the past few weeks or even um you know kind of once we got out of this little move that we saw here, it's been very painful, you know, and the market has not bailed you out. And, you know, there's, there's some factors going on, you know, and I think part of, part of the, that is the fed. Um, and we don't know if there's some other, you know, systematic issues right now in, in the market too. And I think we'll learn about that more as we get some of the heavy hitters that are reporting earnings, whether or not they're seeing any major systematic slowdowns in the economy. That's a great point on the earnings front. Microsoft tonight, Tesla tomorrow, Apple the day after that. So some big names coming down the pipeline. Christian, tell people where they can uh, find you and uh, hear from you and see you and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my, my Twitter handle is just first initial last name at C from Hertz. Um, you could also go to our website, TribecaTradeGroup.com. Uh, you could just kind of check out what we've been doing on that site and, um, you know, uh, so that that's where that's where you could find me. And of course, if you have any questions, I'm easily reached on uh, on Twitter. But um, yeah, Christian, we've got we're going to have yeah. an interesting week. Right, Spencer? Uh, yeah. But tomorrow, I mean, two o'clock statement, two thirty press conference. Um, it's not even so much what they said, but also like. What is the I, and I hate doing this, but like, what is like, what is the dot plot show? How does the dot plot compare to that table that I showed you before, right? Because is the dot plot saying, oh, majority of members see four hikes? Because I think that's what it said last time, right? But does that change? I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, we'll see if that changes. I can, can, I, I think the. I all, Go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. The the Q and A I think will be will be most important for me. I mean, the dot plots is kind of interesting, but okay. you have to realize all these guys are all these Fed governors and so forth are just. It seems like they're jockeying for position. Like they, for, yeah, they're yeah. very career motivated. And well, you know, it so. is a, it, it is a, it is a political job. Um, Christian, part of me just thinks that let's just get one out of the way. Let's just rip the rip the bandaid off. Give us yeah. the right hike. Rip the bandaid off. And then it all, and then everyone will see. I hope that the market won't crash off of one interest rate hike, and uh, we can all move on with our lives. 
I'm, I'm actually voting for that tomorrow too. I, I would rather just have them get the one out of the way instead of having the overhang of we have to wait till March for this nonsense. Sorry yeah, for lack I, of a better no, word. I, I, I want that too, but then the other part of me is like, well, then they lose all credibility and then it's like, there's that whole thing. So, Well, um, you know, they're supposed to adjust to what the market is doing. So I, that's my, you know, that's what I would be looking for. I, I, I'm more of the, um, I like the, the rip the Band-Aid off uh, just get it done rather than get the, oh, let's test the waters and get it <laughs> done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause you know what, what you know what they're going to do is cause they, they telegraph the taper for like four months. So that's what they're going to do now. They're going to telegraph. They've been telegraphing the rate hike for what we'll call it a month, maybe a month, maybe two months, two, one month, two months. So we're, we're, we're due for another two to three months of talking about the rate hike before we get the rate hike. By that point, everything in theory should be priced in, but I don't even know the whole thing. Yeah. Is- could I, could I just say two, two more quick things and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you fellows go for the day. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's how I would kind of think about trading things and, and really, you know, manage your risk appropriately. You know, we're all going to have ideas and opinions on which way things are going to go, but really, you know, having some levels to say and, and pre-planning out what your day is going to be. Here's how, here's what I'm going to do. Um, think about too, like, you know, if the Fed is more dovish, um, what stocks are going to rally the most? What What do you think is the highest probability of the stocks that are going to rally on a dovish Fed versus what do you think if they're going to be, um, if they're going to be kind of in line with expectations or if they're going to be hawkish, right? So putting together a little bit of a scenario analysis, I think helps. And then having levels to know what what you're going to do. And this way you can kind of take some of the the emotion out of the day in terms yeah. of if there's really whippy price action to have that plan in place. And then also, you know, take note of what's kind of working today. You know, I'm surprised, but um, this was one of the things that I noticed too at the end of the day when I was going through, you know, I have a sheet that I look at to see like what names are moving the most intraday um, as well as what they did for the day. But yet this is how they're, they're looking for today. But yesterday, like the energy stocks were super strong. So it again, wasn't again today, frankly. Yeah. And again, so. you know, again today, so I'm long a little bit of OIH. Um, it doesn't have to be a swing trade. It's working actually here. Um, but <clears throat> you know, that's another thing too. Like if you went home along a, a lot of uh, if you went long, a lot of positions yesterday, you know, especially like in tech or something like that, you had to dig yourself out of a hole. So being very nimble, you know, and and not having much risk on is an advantage that you can kind of go back and forth with this market, depending on what it wants to do. You still want to be prepared, but being nimble is very important right now in this market with the VIX over 30. Great, great point. Christian Fromhurt joins us every, um, every other week. Uh, Christian, a pleasure as always, man. Uh, have a great rest of the day and good luck this week. Thanks, guys. You too. Do the same. All righty. Uh, it is one forty-four. Uh, it appears Tim Quas is not joining us today, Aaron, but that's okay. Um, all right. Um, well, we got a couple options here. We could always wrap the show a few minutes early, but at two p.m. we have the roadmap coming up with Toy Booger. <laughs> you heard me. What? Toy booger. That came out of left field. Of all the words you could have said in that moment, that was not the one I was expecting. That's what's on the calendar. I'm, I, I'm just sh- shooting it like it is. I don't know what that is. Um, 
I've, I've had a pretty eventful day in my portfolio, honestly. At one point, I was down about 240 bucks. currently down now 80 I've had a big wow. comeback. Um, I... I bought some Apple calls earlier that are up 41%. Bought some MRO. I've been... All right, guys. I can't take all the credit here. Okay. Um, Don't. don't. I I really can't because Options Mike came on this show like a few months, maybe like a month and a half ago and gave us MRO, Marathon Oil, when it was like down here at like 15 bucks. And it's been going crazy. But anytime you see a stock like this, I mean, look look at this trend. I mean, this isn't that sophisticated of a chart but you can see what it's doing it's going up right this is the past three months from december 20th to now the past three months um past month up 21 percent over the past month let's compare this to spy over the last month energy has been your best performing sector yes but even within energy mro has been a leader which that is something i love if you look at the sectors that are doing well and then you see what's doing the best out of the sector that's doing well that's showing you the leader so i got in on some mro calls earlier today not a lot of money but you can see they're up 73 percent. so that's not bad that's not nothing to sneeze at um not these apple calls up 30 this is what i don't get i bought these coinbase calls because bitcoin's been like strong all day bitcoin keeps going up so coinbase is not going up this that's i'm so glad you brought that up that's a really good you're welcome there have been a number of uh well, Coinbase is such a young stock. There's been a lot of people questioning how the stock will trade as it relates to Bitcoin. Uh, in theory, Coinbase, because Coinbase is an exchange, right? In theory, it should go up when volume goes up. That's why I was looking at the volume for Bitcoin In earlier. theory, it should. It, in theory, yes. The, in, in theory, there should also be... At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Some correlation with Bitcoin, with the price, because, um, and been, been, we can corroborate this from our own business, um, when price goes up, enthusiasm, enthusiasm goes up. When price goes down, enthusiasm goes down. Um, but it is it is interesting to see that Coinbase, the stock, get absolutely bludgeoned, kind of regardless of what Bitcoin does. Um, so, hey, congrats to them. They top-ticked it. I don't know what else to say about that. I think if you're buying anything like that, if you're buying any recent IPO at all-time lows, do it for do it as a speculative thing. Do it as a spec trade. Don't Don't be... Don't be throwing it, throwing down some coin on, on a on a stock like Coinbase right now, pun intended, or a stock like um, it's totally different, but like Toast, T O S T, the the point of sale company for restaurants, all time lows today. Don't IPOs are just weak in general. Um, I, if you're gonna buy any of those, I would I would I would I'd, I'd be cautious. Um, that's all I'll say about that. I am. 
in the market for ideas for my shopping list for stocks i just gave you two great ideas DocuSign, yeah asana asana is getting smacked in the face today so i don't know if i'm down with that well but it was one of your best performing stocks yesterday all right um okay let me be more, more specific i'm in the market for ideas for my shopping list uh not technology I've got enough technology. I've got enough growth. Preferably not like high growth, right? I've got I've got enough of that. I've got an ARC fund. I've got a couple of cannabis stocks. I got Airbnb. I don't need more of that, okay, in my life. Um, not not restaurants. I'm terrified of restaurants right now. I'm terrified of the the, the whole space, um, and not energy. So I guess that really just leaves me like industrials, utilities, materials. What about Boeing? And and consumer staples and discretionary. Boeing is an industrial. I have not looked at the Boeing chart. Where is Boeing? Boeing's at two hundred a share right now. Um, let me pull up a longer term chart so I can. I mean, here here's the thing with with Boeing, right? They have a duopoly. They have a duopoly. Or is it a three apple? What's the word? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, it's Airbus and Boeing. Who else are you gonna throw in there? No, I don't know. <laughs> the cost to enter this market, right? Like the cost to compete with Boeing or Airbus is just too big yeah. for anyone to put that type of money up to really be a competitor down the road eventually there will be some company i mean jeff bezos could say hey i want to take on boeing and and start a new airline manufacturing company fine but that's not happening anytime soon uh the demand for travel is going to continue to increase as we head more and more out of this pandemic um to me it's, a, it's all right a, I think he kind of. I think he maybe got me here a little bit. I'm gonna have to like do some. I'm, let me actually like look at like the numbers a little bit on my own time and just. This chart does not like. This doesn't look terrible. Maybe I do this, and, and I'm not super convicted yet. I, I don't get convinced off of like 20 seconds of looking at a chart, but um, I, I have to let this idea marinate. Maybe I buy Boeing here, and because I'm not super convicted, if I do that, I throw a stop out. Say at what one eighty five? What's that low? Nope, we're not there. Um, what's what's that low? One ninety, one ninety one. Um, all right. There are worse ideas. This is going on the shopping list. Uh, Jay Rice has a great idea. Boeing too. is on the going on the shopping list. I don't know if I want to buy it yet, but it's on the list. What else we got? Uh, Viacom, Viacom, CBS. Are they a takeout candidate? Yep, that's what Jay is saying. Oh, um, is he really? Yeah. I mean, th think about it. We were talking about this earlier, right? Content is king. You've got all these huge, all, all the biggest fang companies are spending money in this space, whether it's Apple, Netflix, Microsoft. Um, Viacom right now has the rights to a lot of very important sporting events. Can you, do you know them? Yeah, uh, Champions League is the biggest that comes to mind. Um, Champions League, of course. Is they, the they have the U.S. broadcast rights for that? For the Champions League, yes. Is wait, sorry, because I'm I'm kind of a soccer noob. Isn't that like every four years? No, that's the World Cup. Champions League is every year. It, it, oh, Champions year. League is really cool because it's no, really the that. only league of its kind. So in soccer, every like major country has their own league. Right. Right. You have the uh, and then you get the countries together. You have the English, right. the English league, which is the English Premier League. You have the German league, right. which is Bundesliga. You have the Italian league, which is Serie A. Um, and the best team from each league. Exactly. They, 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 so okay. each league is allotted, like the English Premier League is allotted four spots in the Champions League and only the top four. So it'd be like 
uh, I don't know. You can't really do it because there's not like ba- it'd be like hockey if you took like the best NHL teams, right. the best Russian hockey right. teams, the best Finnish hockey teams, and they all played each other. So right. the Champions okay. League is really cool. Got it. Um, Viacom owns the rights to that. They are also in the rotation, uh, of course, for the Super Bowl, and they have big NFL rights. So every year the the Super Bowl rotates between the big four. Um, you have ABC and uh, ESPN, which are Disney. Uh, you have Fox. You have CBS. And you Wait, have NBC. CBS is Viacom. NBC is Comcast. Right. What if, hear me out here. I know this is, now we're getting off topic. The Super Bowl airs exclusively on like Apple TV. Yeah. Oh, they're 100% trying for that. I mean, I don't know. Ooh. You have to have Amazon Prime to watch the Super Bowl. We've seen, yeah, I mean, we've seen Amazon. <laughs> Can you even imagine? We've seen Amazon try to get into. They paid for the rights for some Thursday night NFL games. Um, Amazon also is paying for the rights for some PGA events this year. I don't know if we'll ever. I don't know. I don't think the NFL will, will ever want to do that. Like put the Super Bowl behind a paywall. No, um, I was, I was but there is a price point probably that if Amazon offers. <laughs> Maybe you know, know billions and billions. Wait, so so back to the Viacom. So you're saying this is takeover target? I I, I guess in theory it is, um, and I guess it's cheap. Um, I don't know. I, I I'd have to let that marinate a little bit more. There are some more ideas in the chat. I I don't want to uh, ignore the rest of y'all. Um, Burke B, I own that just so I could get invited to the meeting. Oh, IYR Shelley, speaking my language here. What is that? Real estate ETF. Um, yeah, actually, this is also not a terrible idea. Now, I have no idea what is in this fund. I'd have to look it up. I don't know if it's commercial, residential. I got, I got no clue. Um, but, yeah, inflation hedge, real estate, heck, yeah. I'm all about that. Okay, IYR is going on the list. The list just means I have to look more. It doesn't mean I'm going to buy it. I gotta look more. I got no idea what is in this fund. I have I have a little bit of real estate. I have, I own the SRVR, the server, um, the server ETF. It's data centers and um, it's data center REIT. Data center REITs is what that is. So I've got that guy. Um, slow and stodgy. Not gonna make me rich. IYR is going on the shopping list. Thank you, Shelley, for that idea. Could use a little more real estate in my life. Um, Nucor got mentioned, Kroger, but Kroger's had such a run though, hasn't it? Let's look at Kroger. Oh, gosh, what a run. Mm. You, you know what I want to do? Um, and we'll do this next week, but um every every single month I I uh, I track my uh, all my spending. I break it down into several categories. I'm just gonna do a look. And I'm just gonna see how how much more money I'm spending on groceries, because uh, I know it's more. I know the cost. Also, of- I, I decided something. What? I was talking earlier about the Microsoft calls, and I, I I'm gonna regret this. You didn't do it. But I'm not gonna do it, and okay. I already have these Apple calls. And if Microsoft like crushes it and is trading higher tomorrow, Apple, yes, probably will be. Lot no, that's just that's sound logic. Like I, I'm double exposed essentially if I buy these Microsoft calls and I no, already have no, Apple you're calls. fine. I think I, th- I think I think you're good on that regard. I think that was a good, that's a good idea. Okay, I think that's a really good idea. All right. With that said, I have a. Uh, where it, where does it show it? I yo, don't know. yo, I I was stunned because I I really try not to look at my portfolio a lot, and I was stunned. I pulled it up this morning, 
And I was stunned to see that I'm actually down in my Airbnb. Oh, really? I was up so much. <laughs> really? I'm That's down. why I was. I'm down in my Airbnb. Man. I, I was like, my eyeballs popped out of my head. I was like, what? I love this stock. I, I'm not in it at all. But <laughs> I mean, this. This is like the best performing stock I had for a hot minute there. I know. I'm down. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put on a crazy trade at this at some point. Oh man. I'm gonna buy some like crazy like, like it's at one forty three and I'm gonna buy some like crazy two hundred dollar calls that expire like a year out. These I, I've been looking more and more at these leaps and they're a much much bigger investment. Uh, like a lot of times I'll just trade weekly or monthly options that are like two, three hundred dollars, you know, whatever. If I hit them, they can go up to a grand. If I don't, I'm out two, three hundred bucks. But some of these leaps that you're getting more into the thousands and thousands when you're talking about investments, uh, you can really make some serious money if you like find a stock that like like Luke and I were looking at leaps on Baba, right? But if Baba's at one twenty and you buy two hundred dollar leaps on Baba and Baba ends up going up. 80% over the year and gets back up to that 200. Yeah. You're talking like tens and tens of thousands of dollars you're banking. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm finding myself doing... You're, you're playing a dangerous game. I know. I'm, well, the good thing is I'm doing a lot more research on these leaps like before okay. I get into them because they're so much more expensive than yeah. the uh, monthlies or anything like that. You only need to hit one, right, guys? The problem is you get one for 100. But, yeah, but that one is a big one. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of leap candidates out there right now. Anyway. Um, but yeah. All right. Um, I think that'll be a wrap from the show today. Let me check to see if there's anything that we, that we wanted to discuss that we didn't um, as I keep an eye on the market. And, um, oh, the banks just turned. I missed the banks turning green. Did that? Sorry, did that just happen or did I, am I just late to the party on that? I know. Uh, well, I know uh, American Express is just having okay, a good day. Now, so we've been – I like this parameter of looking at what a stock is at compared to its pre-COVID levels. Yeah. I just don't agree with, like, Bank of America being 30% higher than it was pre-COVID. Like, it's a bank. So someone well, – What is so great? What, so, someone asked if I own any banks, and I don't. And the truth is I am afraid to own a bank. Um, oh, shit. NVIDIA's ripping? I am afraid to own a bank, and I, I own a bank by proxy because I own, you know, the VU. But owning banks scare me. I think, and, I, and I'm not saying it's logical, but like the whole Great Recession well, thing you really have, did you have, really did fuck with my head. You have positive catalysts for the bank, the interest rates, but the question sure. is, are those already priced in? We all know they're coming. I don't know. Um, Jay Rice, Fix Goes Green. Dude, it's the same story as yesterday. We're going to finish the green today. Two hours. All right, guys. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow. Till then, happy trading. I I'll update you guys on my options trades tomorrow. Um, well, let's, play let's pray for some green. I've got some ski uh -huh. passes to buy. Yeah. Trying to go skiing? I, I, I'm only going to be able to go skiing if these options work out. If not, I'll be, uh, I'll be sledding. Yeah, happy. That's right. It's so far in a bank, yeah. And it also is not which is what I like. But anyway, it's a wrap. Hit that like button. Also, if you're watching this show and you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, why not? What are you doing? We are going to be adding perks for subscribers like any day now. Get in before that happens. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the like button. Tell your friends or don't do any of that and then just be a grouch. That's yeah, and if someone wants to buy me, a, and if you buy me a ski pass, I'll post videos of myself like falling or something. I will post a video of myself falling and then struggling to get up, which I, yeah. I can do. Wait, but you can't. Struggle. I put the ask out there first.
All right, all right. <laughs> I will all right, po- guys. I'll post a video of me doing a snowboarding lesson. It ain't pretty. Ooh, that'd it be fun. It ain't pretty. It ain't pretty. All right. Dude, uh, the road map Rohan, man on the street, on the ski slopes, we can expense him. Let's do it. All right. Yep. Yeah, that's happening. All right. The roadmap is live right now. Have a good rest of your day. Love everyone. you guys. See you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.